The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Jim. Hello. Good to see you again, my friend. I am thrilled to be here. And now we know that you had COVID. I had COVID. And you shook it off like it was nothing. I shook it off. I mean, I didn't need those monoclonal. I mean, you're a weak person, and Joe. Like, you. If, if you were like me, you wouldn't need that stuff. I wouldn't need anything. I was you out You didn't even there. know you had it. I had it. I was out there spreading it. <laughs> <laughs> Unaware that I was spreading it. I feel so bad. Wow. I, I was wearing a mask. Most people, uh, I don't think that works. Most yeah. people did that. Most people were out there spreading it. I mean, they, what do they say? Like the, the the people that don't show any symptoms, the asymptomatic folks, they were in the high forty percent. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of people. It's crazy. Yeah, but this is not like even PCR tests, right? Because one of the things that, as of December thirty first, the um, I b- believe is the CDC put this regulation in place. They stopped using the standard PCR test for COVID because there's too many false positives. They're, they test people with influenza, other coronaviruses, c- common colds were testing positive for COVID. Now, do you feel a certain responsibility? I have so many questions. I know it's the That's Joe okay. Rogan experience, but this is going to be me interviewing Come with the you. Is like, do you feel a certain responsibility to? Because just even chatting before the 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 breadth of knowledge that you have on this, I mean, and it's shifting constantly, right? So like, Omicron is like for me, Omicron was kind of like a. A Dateline episode. They're like, here's what we know, but now we'll go to a commercial break. And like, they just kept, we still don't know, but like, you seem to know, and you obviously interview a lot of brilliant people like me that um, <laughs> will give you some of this information. Yeah. But like, look, when I met you, you were, uh, this was before news radio, and you had stand up where you were like uh, imitating tigers fucking. How, did, <laughs> how do you go from that to like, you know, like particularly on COVID, because the information's changing. How can yeah. you stay updated? I don't know. It's a strange path. Yeah, right. It's I a mean, very it's well. It's not a path that I took on purpose. That's right. that's what's weird about it. Well, you've always had a curious mind. Yes, I've always All been comedians. Curious. Yeah, I, I think so. For, yeah. for the most part, but um, with uh, not just with COVID, with pretty much every discussion that I have with people that's about something that's fascinating to me. I just have a very unusual memory. And I I also, I have this, uh, I I have this unique opportunity, opportunity to pick people's brains and have these conversations with people where I can ask them these questions. Right, and it's, it's invaluable. Here's my other main question that I've been dying to know. How do you, because in the entertainment industry or creative people, we all know that um, you know. There's the drive. There's, uh, but the downfall is ego. Mm. How have you navigated this empire where you now own three fourths of Texas? <laughs> <laughs> and how how have you managed to not succumb to like some Shakespearean story of where? hubris do you know what i'm saying like how have you not self-destructed where you're like you know what i i go on my meth bender you know what i mean like you don't do any of that no i i exercise really hard that's that's the big i'm not like sounds like bullshit but that's really what it is that grounds you though yeah 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 
because the the training that I do, the martial arts stuff and yeah. the kettlebell stuff and the strength and conditioning work, it's so hard that yeah. everything else is easy. And then I do like ice baths and saunas, and they're so hard that everything else is easy. And yeah. so that's where I struggle. I struggle in those areas so that I don't like have this existential angst in the rest of life. Well, all right. So we strip away. We take. What if I stole your kettlebells? What if I? Uh, <laughs> what if you? What would Joe Rogan be like without the exercise and the Instagram uh, a close up of a sweaty face? I worked out today. <laughs> I didn't want to, but I did it. What would you be like without that outlet? You'd be filled it's, with anxiety. I'm not good if I just take a couple of days off. If I take a couple of days off, I get weird. You'd be yeah. fatter than me, you think? For sure. You'd be. You're superior. I, you know, like I, I got COVID. I didn't even, didn't notice, even notice it. it. But I, I didn't get the original COVID. I got the Omicron. the new version. Yeah. I got you know it's like Gallagher two of COVID. Right. I got like it's like a crypto version of. <laughs> I didn't get like. I got like one of the crypto, you know, like when you're on your Coinbase account, you're like, who's buying this shit? You got new Coke. Yeah, I got new Coke. <laughs> I got new Coke. Remember new Coke? That didn't last, did it? And is some yeah. of it, is it yoga? Do you meditate? Yeah, it's all those things. Yeah. Uh, I, I do a lot of my meditating while I'm in the sauna. Yeah. I, I used to listen to books on tape in the sauna, yeah. but I realized it's actually beneficial to my head to just have nothing and just right. go in there and sit and think. And yeah. so for 20 minutes every day, I'm just sitting and thinking in this fucking oven. And when you go to bed in your chamber, yes. right, in your tank, do you sleep in an oxygen tank? You no, don't. No, no but, but I do like, use one sometimes. You do? I use a hyperbaric chamber sometimes. Is that what LeBron yeah. does, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of athletes do. It's really good. And so, but when you go to bed, you're not like me falling asleep with the TV on. You, There's no TV no. in your bedroom. No, I don't want it. Well, there is one, but I don't use it. You don't, and yeah. you've never even turned it on. What is I've your guilty here. pleasure? Food. You put mustard on your elk meat. Daddy, what is Daddy your? Likes to eat a lot of food. <laughs> you do love like yeah. those cheat meals. When I see like uh, the rocks cheat meal, <laughs> it's like, what? So he is not eating any. Like he's not doing bread or sugar, and then he's like he just the amount of diarrhea he must have on those cheat days, right? <laughs> It's gotta be like I don't. I'm not cleaning that bowl. Have you ever met him? I have not. He's enormous. He's like he's a, a big guy. Superhero status. Like when you're around him, like you can't believe that's a real person. Yeah, but is he happy? He's so big. He's very happy. He seems very happy. He's like a bazillionaire. He's very wealthy. But uh, my point is, like his body can take in all that food. Like there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. When he's eating stacks of pancakes and giant cookies yeah. and ice cream and. And that, yeah. you know, has once he sells his liquor company, then he's going to be like, I never drank any of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what about it? Do you have your own liquor? No. No, I don't have my own liquor. And, but you- uh, I drink though. Yeah. But like, you, you haven't been approached to have your own tequila or vodka? I've been approached by some companies to do stuff. I mean, I may in the future. What I really like is whiskey though. I'm, yeah. I'm a whiskey person. What about bourbon? Uh, bourbon. You know, okay. bourbon whiskey. Yeah. Bourbon yeah. is just a Kentucky form of it. Uh, yeah. well, I, I like uh, bourbon. I, I think bourbon is actually an American version of it. Right? I like scotch, too. But what I like is old stuff. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like if you want to make whiskey right, like Buffalo Trace, Yeah. it's eight years. Wow. It's got to sit in the barrel for eight years. Like, What's the most expensive whiskey that you've drank? Like You're like, I can't believe I had it. A... I drank some 21-year-old scotch. It was pretty expensive. It was really good, though. Oh, yeah. I've had 21-year-old yeah. scotch. Do you That's want some? amazing. We have some. 
18-year-old here. I, I, I get nervous. Do you want um, a sip? Do you want a little sip? Um, sure, I'll have some. Is it 21 years old? I think it's, what do we got here, 12 or 18 or something? Hold on, I'll find out. What Joe does is he gets his guests a little bit buzzed, yeah. and then before you know it... Before you know it, you're talking shit. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, <clears throat> Glenn. These are not sponsors. Glenn Livett. This is 18 years old, and this is McCallan. This is 18 year old. Wow. I think McCallan for you, Gaffigan. It seems yeah. like a seems like it goes with your heritage. My heritage. I don't know. Do you drink? I do, I drink occasionally. Occasionally. Well, this is an occasion, my friend. I mean, it's been 25 years since I did, oh. but. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Good to see you, brother. Um. Mm. Like that's smooth. Now I gotta start over. This is why I like this. I know now one day sober. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like so that's you work out in the morning. Yes. And you'll how how many days a week will you drink alcohol? <sighs> Depends on how many podcasts I do and what kind of animals are in here. Like if comedians are in here, they yeah. like to drink. Yeah. You know, I'll have, I like to have one drink before a show. Just to kind of like get loose. How many more years do you think we have with Bert Kreischer? I mean, I love Bert. I love Bert. But like he is, question. he is kind of like it's, uh, he's a machine, but like it's like the he's machine. science project. The machine has been running at full throttle for a while. And there's sand in the gear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, we love Bert. I love him to him. death, but I, we, like Tom is his best friend and Tom and I have had conversations where we express concern and I'm yeah. like, I don't know what to do. I mean, you can't like, you know, we, that's one of the reasons why we did Sober October. We had this big competition. It was to save Bert. Yes. <laughs> no, really? A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was to save yeah. Bert. Because we thought he couldn't take a month off. In fact, his doctor was nervous about him taking a month off. Because the, he might thought there might be a shock to the system? Yeah. Well, oh, alcohol and benzodiazepine are the two drugs that are the most dangerous to just quit cold turkey. Those are two drugs where people die from. Every Now there's alcoholics listening. Well, Joe said, keep drinking. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> well, you're supposed to wean yourself off of it. And you're supposed to, like, when people detox from alcohol, they do it under medical supervision because it's it's very sketchy. It, wow. it can be really dangerous for your body. Wow. Your body, That's I believe that's what killed Amy Winehouse. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she went cold turkey off of alcohol. See if that's true. I'm pretty sure, though, because she was a really bad alcoholic. Brilliant. I thought it was singer, other stuff. It was alcohol so. and was, other stuff. I think it was the alcohol that killed her, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong. We'll find out shortly. It feels <clears> like <throat> with generations. Found dead inside her London apartment. Multiple investigations have concluded that Winehouse died of alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. So she drank too much. With a coroner's report after her death revealing that Winehouse had a blood alcohol content of 0.416, more than five times the legal limit to drive. Yeah, but I bet she did that all the time. Yeah. No, I like my father, you know, and that generation, they could put, I mean, my dad, they could put it away. My dad, like I thought this was normal. My dad would get home from work have a vodka, and then after dinner, he'd have a scotch. Like, I thought that was normal. Yeah, I but thought that, that was But that generation normal too. was like, boom. Yeah, they died they quick. Were, I mean, my first job in advertising, I was sent every Friday to a liquor store to buy bottles of booze for different VPs. Oh, yeah. Well, if you work in an office in a high-stress job, alcohol is almost like mandatory. 
for those people just to like unwind, throw a couple of ice cubes and everything. Jesus fucking Christ, what are we doing? Yeah. Whoa. At the end of the day, these guys just want to do something, take the fucking edge off. People put in their time. They put in their time. I mean, if you're a, a person who's in one of them high stress jobs where you're working 12 hours a day every fucking day and then you're bringing a lot of it home with you. Yeah. Right? I mean, my God. What a lot of people do, I mean, think about how easy our fucking job is. Oh, my gosh. In comparison to like a real job. It's an hour. Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. much easier. I mean, I, you know, I I spent uh, like five days, because of course all shows got reshuffled. So my October, November, and December were really intense with tour dates. And so I was in Seattle, and I would do my shows and go back to my hotel room and just write. And, uh, I mean, it was – I just can't articulate how much I loved it. That's awesome. It was just like performing and writing is just so incredibly rewarding. I know your point is like compared to people that are like mixing cement. I mean, yeah. it's like so easy, but it's also the level of stress and the amount of time. Like, yeah. Like, we don't have to be around people that much. <laughs> it's only you like a mean? couple hours a night. It's just like, yeah. all right. I mean, we do eat a lot of shit on the way up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that that is definitely an issue. I mean, it weeds out people that aren't absolutely determined to make it because it's so difficult. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, I remember at one point my brother-in-law was like, he was, I was doing spots in the city, and he was like, what do you get paid for these spots? And this was true at the time. I was like, $8. And he goes, you get $8 to work? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and I'm like, but it's 15 minutes. And he's like, wait a minute, you get $8? Like, that was, then they, they uh, now people get compensated more for a spot in the city. But it was $8. Yeah. And that's how it was at the store, too. And you didn't care. Yeah, you didn't care. Well, the, the goal, the ultimate goal was to get road work, like to really get a, a gig, like to be headlining at the weekend at an improv. Like, yeah. oh my God, I'm really there. It's my name on the marquee. Holy shit, people are coming out to see me. And that is almost, it feels unattainable to people that are just starting out. The idea yeah. that one day someone's going to come see you. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I remember Geraldo was like, he wanted to tour and I was like, I just want to be a writer on Letterman. Mm. That's all I wanted. And so, like, the notion of touring, I mean, look, we live in a day and age where people are putting out multiple specials. I remember Dennis Leary did his uh, No Cure for Cancer. There was no expectation that he would need to do another one. Right. Well, Kinnison, he had that one HBO special that was his really good one. And yeah, he had the Rodney Dangerfield spot that he did. And then, you know, he had a couple afterwards that they're kind of fucking... He was doing coke and partying. Yeah. It really wasn't the same. Yeah, that one special. That one special, yeah. Sam Kinnison. If you want to see what Sam Kinnison was like when he was really good, it's that one HBO special. And there was, with the exception of Carlin, no one was doing the hourly thing. He was the unusual exception. He was so yeah. unusual because he was yeah. doing a new one every year. I always think like, it's so funny how Carlin is so revered but I, I obviously all comedians uh, respect him. But like during when he was around, I don't think he got enough respect. You know, what I mean, he he was probably appreciated for the you know words you can't say on television. But like he was pumping out some 
really serious stuff. Yeah. And I think the audience didn't really like some of the shit he was saying. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all these rich people in the audience, he's like, we should turn all the golf courses and give them to homeless people. People are like, wait a minute, we paid to get in here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he definitely had a lot of counterculture in him, you know, a lot of rabble rouser and you know like he has some great bits to this day that, about diseases that people oh, keep yeah. reposting you know yeah oh it's just it's there's not a week on twitter where he doesn't have yeah. some uh you know clip that really kind of captures the moment oh, how many specials did he have let's just guess 15 i think he had 20 20 Probably. i think he did one for every year at the peak of hbo when hbo to get a special on HBO, he was uh, it was a standard because and and I remember I saw in an interview, maybe this is uh, that you know he tried the sitcom thing and they it didn't work so he stuck with stand. I don't know what the there's there's Carlin experts that were probably uh, could explain a lot. Well, he. Than me. He had uh, some really good interviews, and God, I wish I, he was alive while I was doing the podcast where I could have interviewed him and talked to him. Maybe he was in the beginning. What year did he die? Um, I, everything's a blur now. Uh, Everything was six years ago or four I years say, ago. I want to say he died like 11, 2011? 2008. 2008. Wow. So it was actually before the podcast. So, but if I had uh, the opportunity to talk to him, I would have definitely talked to him about his creative process. But there's some pretty good interviews where he talked about that. Oh, yeah. No, I remember. I'm trying to just turn off my phone because I'm an idiot and I didn't turn it off before. Look at all these specials. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So he went, he, he had some gaps, right? Like, look at that 63 and then 67 and then 72 and then another one in 72 god he had two in 72 and then one in 73 one in 74 75 77 81 84 so what is the total number this so for this uh discography for maine i guess whatever maine means is uh 20 including that 2016 one so the 2016 mm -hmm. one i kind of like it when a lot of people die was supposed to be out on 2001 around September 11th but it was literally scheduled to come out right after oh, September wow. 11th and the name of it I kind of like it when a lot of people die <laughs> that's <laughs> fucking obviously a bit of an issue yeah but yeah. so many uh, HBO specials I don't know Look at that. separate from that oh too. I always thought it was every year that's so interesting I thought it was every year I felt like it was too first 12 specials huh so those are HBO specials, and what are the other ones? Are those albums? That's, so yeah, I guess that'd be audio albums, maybe, because there's also television and film appearances in there. Scroll down, scroll down, where you just had up, tell where it said tell. Scroll down. So we, what is that? Television. Yeah. Oh, okay. So these are different. Okay, and scroll down a little further. So these are all spots on television shows, and then scroll down a little further, and these are the HBO specials, yeah. and then written works and audio books. Wow, lot. A lot. Yeah. I know that he went through a period he dealt with. Um, I mean, you probably have interviewed Kelly Carlin, probably. But, I haven't. I've, um, I've spoken to her on Twitter. I, I don't I don't know her at all. But, like, I know that he struggled with some addiction yeah. and stuff like that. But He had a pill issue for a while. Really? Yeah. I remember I was, I was probably 93. I just started stand-up. And he went on at the original improv on 44th Street. 
And I remember he had a tape player and he had a piece of paper where he, you know, like a cassette recorder and he had these notes and he had punchlines underlined. Mm. I mean, granted, this is 30 years ago, so maybe I'm remembering some of it wrong, but I remember thinking, God, that is just the detailing was so impressive that and you can see it in his writing yeah i mean the 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 wordsmith uh is just so extensive yeah he would write out his entire special word for word yeah and then he would just kind of tighten it up yeah that was how he did it and he would write sober and then he would punch up on marijuana he would smoke pot and punch it up wow yeah that was his move brilliant i saw him bomb in, oh, yeah. in front of my roommates in really? uh, in New Hampshire in 1988, 1989. Yeah. I think he went through a rough patch a couple of times in his career. I think with new material, you know, it's like American stand-ups versus like British stand-ups. There is, you know, there's such a necessity to kill in America. Right. Like you can't be bad for a moment. That's why... I was so impressed when I saw Chris Rock once at the comedy store just fearlessly like, what else? What else? And he didn't get laughs for like 10 minutes. And he's like, okay. And then he got off stage completely unfazed. Like, I would be like, uh. get, get, me, get, get me heroin, something. And uh, yeah. But the whole thing of uh, Carlin, uh, just the volume was insane and also you have to you have to you have to risk bombing yeah he didn't work out either like he didn't go to comedy clubs and and practice that was actually part of one of his routine he had this routine called uh and fuck this and it was like everything was fuck this and fuck that and fuck comedy clubs he like he literally said fuck comedy clubs like i'm I'm, i don't have to work out in comedy clubs and he would just go and when i saw him in new hampshire he went on stage with a legal pad, a yellow legal pad, and he had all his stuff written out, and he put it down, and my roommate was like, why is you reading his jokes? And I was like, because they're, they're new jokes, you fuck. And I think there is, it's weird because, do you ever have like younger kids at your shows? No. No, you don't have like a 15-year-old boy? No, that's not legal. Okay. What, what do you mean It actually legal? might be legal here. In Texas, a lot of shit is legal. I just found out in Texas, you can bring a child to a bar, and as long as the dad is with the child or the mom is with the child, the child can have their first drink. Really? Yeah, at a bar, like a kid. Like you bring yeah, an I mean, in Ireland, there's kids in all the bars and stuff. Yeah. And also, when we were kids, it was like- Oh, yeah. It was like not that big of a deal. Oh, no. I, I went to my father's bar when I was like five years old. Yeah. Yeah. And so- uh I can't even remember. What's in this that you gave me? Whiskey. <laughs> Scotch. <laughs> it's like- It's good. What we do <clears throat> is yes. we just, we have these bottles of Scotch, and what we do is we just we lace them with heroin, and then comedians come in, and we'll just give them just like a sip of it, and they'll just freak out. How long did you take off during this pandemic before you, like with no stand-up at all? I did some drive-in shows. Those are wild. I mean, I did you do them with Bert? <laughs> no, I. You know, it's like it was. It's it was kind of like dry humping. You know what I mean? It's just 
<laughs> and uh, not, it's like that's a throwback from when we were teenagers, right? It's a good way to put it, though. But uh, it was, yeah, I did a couple of them, and I was grateful for them, and I'm sure the audience hopefully had a good time, but it wasn't stand-up. It's a little something to like remind people what it used to be like to go out and to see a show, but you're in your car, you yeah. don't have to worry about catching anything. And... and so, but to answer your question, I went a good year and a half wow a year and a half yeah i mean i was supposed to do chappelle one of chappelle's weekends everyone got covid so i couldn't do that and then i was in vancouver for four months working on a movie so i went a year and a half and i was doing these cbs sunday commentaries for the first 22 weeks and but i i didn't really write stand-up so like because my thought was, no one's going to want to hear about this pandemic, so I'm not going to write about the pandemic outside of these Sun CBS Sunday commentaries. So then, when I started writing, it's like you, you know, we don't have control of what comes out. I had some of this pandemic stuff that ended up in Comedy Monster, but I didn't have an expectation of doing material on the pandemic. Did you? No. I mean, I think I never have expectation about doing material on anything. It's yeah. just like if uh, there's a bit I enjoy doing that seems to be working and makes sense, then I just start doing it. But if I had no material on the pandemic, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I mean, I, my God, I fucking talked about it so much. I mean, Of course. I'm so exhausted talking yeah. about COVID. Yeah. No, it's I, I miscalculated. I thought that it was going to be similar to politics, where we consume all this politics all the time that when people get into a comedy room or a theater, they're not going to want to hear about it. But I right. think that the pandemic has been so truly traumatic, not just the pandemic, the whole experience, Yeah, that we're going to be digesting this for quite some time. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of anger at a lot of the businesses that went under. There's going to oh, be a yeah. lot of anger at the politicians and how they handled it and medical professionals and whether or not early treatment options were pursued correctly. There's going to be a lot of anger. and it's. But there's also a lot of opportunity for humor. And yeah. there, people love that escape. They love yeah. the ability, like if you crack a good one about COVID, they have this ability to let off some steam. You know? Well, I also think there's a lot of, you know, particularly through the pandemic, and it's just generally kind of my approach, I think, is that humans are pretty dumb. Like, we're <laughs> generally, not only are we dumb, we think we're smart. Yeah, there's a lot that's, of that. That's the worst part. That's the saddest thing ever when a really dumb person thinks they're brilliant. Right? It's not the saddest thing ever. It's but the saddest again, thing ever when a child dies, right? Yeah, that's I mean, it's, it's like everyone... You know, everyone kind of looks at their parents like those idiots, right? And our kids are like those idiots. Yeah. It's just oh yeah, this generation after generation. You know, like when they were putting leeches on people, the medical community was like, "We did it. We figured it out. We put these blood suckers on people, and we got it." Anyway, let's have some drinks. Well, they would bleed you out too. They would yeah. not just use leeches. They would cut you and and leak your blood into a bucket to try to remove toxins from your system. It's so weird, like the shock therapy stuff, how like that disappears yeah. in our lifetime where they were like, 
can you believe they did shock therapies? And now you'll read an article. They're like, you know, these things shock therapy might work. (laughs) (laughs) It might. Humans are so stupid. Well, it's it might not work on everybody, but it might work on some people. Do you remember there was um, when Ed Muskie? No, who was it? William Montgomery. William McGovern. When William McGovern was uh, running for president, his vice president, uh, it turned out in the middle oh, of the had... race against Nixon that he had undergone shock therapy. Yeah. And like everybody's like, oh, Jesus. They decided that he was a kook. And so his vice president pick fucked him. And he really had, because Hunter S. Thompson was on his side and he was writing yeah. about him and he had kind of gathered up some momentum and it looked like he had a real shot to beat Nixon. And then once his presidential, vice presidential candidate guy start, turned, you know, turned out to be a kook. It's all, it's the timing of everything. Yep. Right? It's timing of everything. Yeah. Timing is, is the big issue. Well, especially when there's something, that's why it's so crazy about presidential candidates. You know, we were talking about, elections overseas about in other countries they do it a, a very quick election there's not as much money yeah. in it it's only yeah. a six-week thing where everything's running we, we we our elections essentially run for two years it's like from 2022 oh, yeah. on there'll be a two-year process of people posturing and moving their pieces into play and, and saying they're not running yeah but bit. hey i can't say officially i can't say officially but yeah if i was going to run i would attack this administration on the yes. terrible treatment of blah 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 and this and that and the border crisis who yeah. what have they done to the infrastructure oh yeah and no one fixes shit that's what's crazy think about all the things biden promised before he got into office and there's people that are actually shocked that he didn't do everything he said he was going to do people are like i can't believe this and i voted for him how many fucking times does lucy have to pull the ball from charlie brown before charlie brown realizes right. But this I would still take I would take Biden's corpse over Trump. Well, it's not really Biden, right? It's the the cabinet. It's the people that are running the 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 whole administration. That's what's going on now. It's not Biden. It's all the other folks that are moving things into place. But like, I mean, I, I still look at like you know, it, it, along the same lines of what you just said. So like, Betsy DeVos. Yeah. Um, Stephen Miller, you take all those people over, uh, you know, even Mike Pence, you take, you take him over, say what you want about Kamala or Kamala or whatever, (laughs) you, you know, it's like any of those people. And I know I'll probably get murdered by some Trumpy, but like, it's like, I don't think she's the best example. I think Kamala Harris is a storied history of incarcerating people and, uh, keeping people in jail past the time they were supposed to be released to use them as cheap labor for the state of California Mike to fight Pence wildfires. Pence believed in, like, you could uh, do therapy to get rid of gay. Wait a minute, you don't? What? But what did we do earlier? All that, that hugging and everything. I what? thought that's what that was about. That was, we hugged out my love for you. <laughs> that is a crazy thing, thinking you could pray gay It's so away. weird to feel your butt implants. Like, why... <laughs> Would you get butt implants? I didn't like my flat butt. You know, but I like wanted a, a high art. But like that a, was cultural appropriation. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. There's some people from my culture that have that. 
It's just I'm lazy. How long do, do you do think squats. we got? What do you think? I we worry, got 10 years? Yeah, you I think, think we I got worry 10 years? We have about 10 years. And I think the decline between what happens now. I'm too old to learn Chinese. I right. can't. I'm so not going to learn Mandarin. My kids to. are, my, my sons are learning Mandarin. Thankfully, there's apps. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have a thing with Google. Um, they have these uh, things. I think it's, is it with the Galaxy Buds? One of One of the Android phones has the ability to translate in real time with sound. So like say if you said something in Chinese, yeah. the phone would say it back to me in my ear in English. But that's where, isn't that the basis of why so many wars have started is miscommunication? Oh, well also being led by people that pretend they have your best interest at heart. Look, in the real world, if there was no government, why would yeah. anybody fight with the Chinese or the Serbians or the Russians? Like We wouldn't. We'd have no problem with them. They're over there. We're over here. Huh. It's fine. The problem is when enormous groups of people are led by a small, tight-knit group of individuals who are influenced almost entirely by money. And so and you think it's all money? A hundred percent. Money you, and natural resources. Let me ask resources. you this. Do you think that the entertainment industry is about money? Yes. I disagree. What's it about? Love? Joy? No. It's about ego. And well, that I think, too. I think, I think whenever people are like, oh, the entertainment industry is ab uh, about money, I'm like, really? Because, you know, Mel Gibson did Passion of the Christ. They, you could do like five of those and make a lot of money. It's not about that. And I think that politicians is uh, – here, by the way, I'm destroying my career on this episode. Um, <laughs> but it's about – Status. It's about everyone wants to be in the restaurant and be uh, greeted with uh, warmth, whether yeah. it's a restaurant or country club. It's like that's true. And every now and then, someone does something like Mitch McConnell. You know, he's going to go out to dinner in Kentucky, and he's going to be harassed by a Trump supporter. Right. And he's like. Ugh. He, well, he gets harassed by Democrats. Yeah, no, well, he gets, but the thing is, is like all these people want to be respected at their country club. They don't care about, the money's not the issue. You don't think that the money is the primary motivating factor for them making movies? I don't think so. I think it's why, you know, it's like they want awards, they want accolades, they want respect of their, by the way, comedian to comedian, I don't even have to ask you this. Comedians care about the uh, respect of their peers. That's a big factor. And that is way more important than money. Yeah, that, oh, that's an enormous That's way factor. more important than a credit. Well, here's the thing. Like, there are some people that do really well, and they don't have the respect of their peers, and they always seem to be living in hell. Yeah, or right? they're chasing it. Yeah, they don't have friends. Like when it, there's a few people I know that are comics that are fairly successful that have zero comic friends, and that they are the most miserable, weird, fucking bitter, stingy people. They're just fucked because they yeah. they're out they're on the outside. I call them islands. I always refer to them like with other comics. Like there's certain comics that are like an island, like they're yeah. not in a community like most of us are. Well, late. I think there's something about. Um, the the ambition it's like if ambition takes over 
If you care about ambition more than community, that's a problem. It's a problem. It's a big problem. Well, it's like there's not many of us, Jim. I mean, how many comics are there really legitimately on earth? Is there even a thousand? Are there even a thousand working professional comedians that make a living and can headline clubs and theaters? I I don't even think it's a thousand. I think it's really strange, and this is along the same lines, how people... um, and, and, and the public perception is so off on this is that what people don't realize is that comedians with completely different views on a lot of different things, stylistically, dramatically different, um, in the green room, they're, you know, they're, they're all getting along. Yeah. Like there is obviously some people that don't get along and there's people that go astray and uh you know they can get uh, become outcast because they steal material or whatever but i think this notion that comedians wish ill upon each other is so false it's very false and especially good ones it's so weird because the reality is is that comedians are these weird kind of misfits in a way that when another comedian does something, even if they don't like it, they, they're they like on the same stage. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Whereas I think in other aspects of the entertainment industry, it isn't the case. Like I, I presented, I don't want to brag, but I presented at the Country Music Awards. Ooh. Uh, no. And what was so interesting is I don't, I know, I know very little about country music, but the sense of community there was sincere. Like it was an award show and they opened the show with these 10 stars, you know, from Brandy Carlisle to Dolly Parton to like, you know, uh, that's probably all the country music. (laughs) (laughs) But they all, there wasn't the hierarchy. Mm. And what people don't realize, I think, with comedians is that, yeah, there's some hierarchy, but that disappears pretty quick. It disappears with when someone kills. Yeah. If someone's a killer, like like they uh, immediately get brought into the fold. Yes. If you see someone and they do a 20-minute set and they fucking murder, you're like, God, you want to grab them. Dude, yeah. that was fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're ha- because we're happy that someone else made it through. There's yeah. uh, uh, Again, we're talking about how many people there are. There are working professional comedians. How many headliners are there in the United States of America? Real headliners. Is I there 500? I don't even think there's 500. But I even think like some of it is not necessarily even the headliners. It's like oh yeah, there's different kind of um, there's different tools that people have. That's why it's so weird. And I love acting, but like when I work on a movie, and you get a call sheet, and there's like these, and some of it is for organizational purposes. But you literally see this hierarchy played out, yes. and you're like. Oh wow, that's strange. And and uh, whenever I work on a movie, my manager's like, "Don't expect actors to be comedians, because you work with a comedian for three days, and your the status is evened out." Right. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if someone's headlining or someone's middling, and that's not the case in the. You know that's why I think people want awards is because so when you go into this hierarchy you're like no i can come in i got this nomination i had a conversation with this uh, a friend of mine was dating an actress 
and uh, she was talking to me about uh, news radio, the sitcom I was on. Yeah. And she asked me what number I was billed on <laughs> in the credits. So what that means to, to everybody else at home, there's eight people on the cast, and she wanted to know what when they said my name, like when the opening credits. She was an actor, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I yeah. was like, wow, that's fascinating. Like, that's a interesting. She goes, oh, it just, you know, it, my, my agent says it's very important to get high billing. Mm. Like, where, where they list you. Like, li news radio with Dave Foley, yeah. Andy Dave, like all that. Like, when do, you, when do they say your name? Wow. But I almost, I almost feel for her because she didn't know that. No. She was kind of programmed. Well, it's, she was young and she was trying to yeah. make it in the business. I mean, it, she wasn't malicious. She was just, this was a concern. Like yeah. one day she wanted to be on a sitcom or a show and she wanted to have a good billing. Yeah. Yeah. So she just wanted to ask me what it was like. Yeah. So weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. That's, you know when you know that yeah. comedians get along when we meet each other in the airport. When you meet someone in the airport, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where are you working? Where are you been? You yeah, know? yeah. That's the number one time. Yeah, there are certain things that, uh, yeah. There's, you know, authenticity is a really important attribute. Huge. It's it's really so when. The the concept. I mean, we're talking about Carlin, who essentially reinvented himself. You know what I mean? But like, you're you know, comedians are on this journey to find their more authentic selves. Yeah, and it is. It's all you know. Stand up comedy is all self assignment. You know, it's like Comedy Monster is my ninth special, and but no one's saying, "Hey, can you do another special?" It's like. You decide when you're going to do it. It's all yeah. selfish. It's similar, I mean, you know, it's similar to what you've created. No one said, hey, like people like to think, oh, there's someone back there saying, hey, Joe, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move to Austin. You're going to open a comedy club. You're going to do this. There's no one doing that. It's you. Yeah. It's, it's you. Not only that, there's a lot of people telling me don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> This, all the people that like when I get this big Spotify deal, then I'm like, I'm gonna move to Texas. They're like, No, what are you doing? Don't fuck this up. Like, you have something great going on in Los Angeles. I'm like, It's gonna be fine. We gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I'm like, I'm gonna live my life. Like, the, this is something I do during my life, but I'm gonna live my life. And my life, my instincts are, I gotta get the fuck out of Dodge. I'm like, this city is not, it's not the same city anymore. It's like it's got a mask on. It's the, it got the old L.A. mask, and behind it is danger and corrupt government and a, a, a lack of accountability about the economy collapsing. Like, see ya. I'm getting the fuck out of here. So they were not happy with that. Like, there was a lot of people that were very nervous, the people that, you know, profit off of the show. But I was like, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to do what I do, and this is what my, my instincts are always just to do what I do. What do I want to do? I want to get out of here, so I'm going to get out of here. I'm not, I would never stay just because like somebody else thought it would be a better idea. I'm like, eh, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting that um, no one, even when you're told you're funny to do stand-up, you have to, 
you, not only do you have to get up there yourself, but you also now it just sounds like I'm patting myself. No, on but the it's back. true. It's like you have to also when the crowd more or less says, "I hate you." <laughs> You have to still do it. Yeah, you have to fuck. Well, they hated me, but one day <laughs> you'll it's, see it. It's a, me- it's a form yeah. of mental illness. Oh, 100%. If you don't have mental illness, there's no way you're going to make it because you're going to have to get past the bombing. The bombing should be enough pain to Stop force anybody out of the business. I always say yeah. that bombing is like sucking a thousand dicks in front of your mother, but- I think that's not true because there's got to be a guy out there who would like to suck a thousand dicks in front of his mom. Right. There's got to be a guy out there be like, "See this, mom? Nine hundred nine nine. This one's for you. You fucking raised me wrong." But <laughs> but yeah. no one wants a bomb. No one. No one wants to say jokes it's... that they hope get a laugh and then they fall flat. And by the way, the term bomb is a gentle description of public humiliation. Yes, it is full wholesale. It is, uh, you know, it occurs where there are people that look at you with a level of disgust. By the way, I was on a plane next to um, Chris Christie, and I, uh, and it was interesting because I was thinking about him, and people were getting on the plane, and um, people were very polite, but I was like, this guy. So many politicians, you know, and he's a fighter, but so many of these politicians, maybe they almost crave kind of like saying something that the audience doesn't like. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, like the shock. So comedy, some of it is surprise and shock. But like I was sitting next to him and I'm like, he's a fighter. Most of these politicians, do they get off on the groan that the comedian sometimes gets. You know, like when you say something and the audience is like, oh, but you did it for yourself. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I obviously do it to a much lesser dis- uh, extent than you filthy comics. But <laughs> does does he, do politicians get off on that? Cause, I think it's probably a contrarian thing. It's probably a human nature thing. Like people like saying things that other people don't want to hear, especially if they can be proven right. Wow. Yeah. Well, that guy single-handedly made me not scared of COVID. When he survived. Oh, yeah. I'm like, he survived? <laughs> I'm fucking fine. <laughs> I'm like, dude, but he also, I'm going to cruise right through this He shit. also got all the good stuff, right? Everybody should get all the good stuff, Jim. That's yeah. what's going on. That's, well, that's why that's you're running for governor up. of Florida. Yeah. Well, DeSantis is doing a great job. I'm going to run for, like, Arkansas, something where no one else votes. Some, somewhere easy. But then you then you're moving to Arkansas. That's what Bill Clinton did. Well, but he was from there. Barely. Barely? Was he? Yeah, he was raised in Hope, Arkansas. Really? Yes. That's a place. Yes. Who knows? No one yeah, lives no, there. The, uh, Huckle, lives Huckleberry there can't write. or whatever. The, Huckabee's also from Huckabee. there. <laughs> Huckabee. <laughs> now Huckabee. You think Huckabee? I think he. No. I think he wanted to be in the entertainment oh. industry. Oh. Yeah, That's probably. What, I was well, getting he, what, at. what do you think I was going to say? Should be president. No, wasn't no. he? He was on like Fox or something. Didn't he have a show for a while? Yeah, he had a show on Fox. Yeah. Did they cancel it? Well, he was a preacher also. Ah, uh, well, that's show business, right? That's Kinnison, you know. 
And so, and uh, Bill Hicks also, yeah. right? You no, know, I don't think he was a preacher. No, but like I think that there was, uh, the, you know, he was raised in uh, the, some of that Christian stuff, wasn't yes. he? Yeah, he was definitely raised. In I say that like I'm not Christian. Well, you're a Catholic, right? I'm a Catholic, which yeah. is, you know, it's hardcore. That's part. Of, that's part of the Christian faith. Oh yeah. What were you raised? Catholic. Yeah. You were raised Catholic, yeah. and now you're going to hell. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to the dimension of elves. So, are you agnostic? Um, yeah, you know, I would say that, but it's, it, it all comes with too much baggage. I don't like the term atheist. I, yeah. I it's like to me being an atheist is, um, I know it means without a God, you don't believe in, you know, you're not a theist. Right. But I think it's, uh, it's very arrogant to pretend we have any idea what happens when we die. You know, yeah. Do I believe that there was a man who walked on water and died and came back to life and, no, but I, I, I think that most of, of what it, <laughs> most of what that is, if you understand human language and you understand history, is you know you're dealing with stories that were thousands of years old before they were ever written yeah. down, and they're in a lot of different cultures. Too. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, Epic of Gilgamesh is like the oldest version of the Bible in terms of like the stories of Noah's Ark. It's kind of it's got roots in there. There's a lot of there's a lot of like parallels. It makes you think, and I and I'm a firm believer that a lot of what that is is documenting cataclysmic disasters that happen to the human race, and those have been substantiated by archaeologists and by people that are geologists that study core samples. And there's been some epic moments where most people were wiped out and they survived. And a lot of these stories, I think, are the basis of a lot of the roots of these stories that are in the Bible and the Torah and a lot, a lot of ancient religions. But as the idea of like, is there a God? It, there very well could be something, very well, and I'm I'm Why? not. You should have him as a guest on your show. I would love to. Right. Um, uh, why do we assume it's a he? Yeah, I don't think it has a gender, right? Right. It's probably something. It's probably something that is the energy that creates the entire universe itself. There's probably a thing, whatever that thing is, and I think to try to label it and try to box it in with our pathetic language is pretty silly right. our understanding yeah. yeah it's it's very interesting because obviously um i'm not in a 12-step program but that is a faith-based thing yes. and and i do think that um the notion for me personally that um there is something uh that is I'm not in control is really important so that and that possibly there is a notion of something that can forgive me or that I should not uh, be caught up in this twist of self-hatred is really important to me. And, and so, so that is how you balance your ego and you, you feel like that helps yeah, you? Yeah, I mean it's – I mean that all being said is that – all these things I'm saying, I I will forget in a day. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like yes. I I in the end I'm a dumb guy. I mean yeah. we're all dumb guys, yeah. right? But um, yeah, I mean, and I think that that's why it's so impressive what you've built, and you have not self destructed. There's no indication of self destruction. There's uh, I mean, it's not it's it's 
you're not the first person. I mean, The Rock has built an incredible thing. I want to see you fight The Rock. I'm not fighting that guy. I want you to fight him. He's like or 100 pounds larger Can you than kiss me. him? Can you... <laughs> I'll kiss him before I fight him. <laughs> but there, I, I do think it's fascinating because uh, among comedians, there is this self-destructive tendency. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's not... It, it's not mandatory you know it's not something that's unavoidable you can avoid it it's you know the idea that it's uh self-destruction is inherited it, it, it's in um it's inherent to whether it's rock and roll or art or comedy or even actors yeah i just think it's just it's so hard to not be it's very, I mean, with rock stars, my God, I mean, how many rock stars have self-destructed? They're on right. that stage jamming out and everybody's screaming and they love them and then silence and then they're alone. And yeah. then they want to be surrounded by people that keep feeding them And then them they that go love. to a bar and they meet Lady Gaga and then- Oh, that movie? I yeah. didn't see it. I saw I the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a crazy world. It's, it's, and it's also one of the things about being uh, a comic or any- entertainer that becomes very successful is there's not much of a blueprint for you to follow no and the blueprint changes so when people ask for advice you're like you know what worked six months ago is not going to work right. so even your relocation to austin to this address uh, which i'm going to announce no <laughs> <laughs> is is that doesn't apply to now no you know the uh the, you know, like I remember in stand-up starting, you know, like what I did, like when I did open mics, there were no, there was no audience. There weren't even bringer shows, really. Right, right. It was like you were performing in front of other mentally ill people. <laughs> it was like. There would be a few audience members, like 10. You know, maybe yeah. uh, an alcoholic who was yeah. drinking at 5 p.m. Yeah. But, uh, and you know, like the Boston scene that you started in doesn't exist. Like that, it doesn't exist like that. But I've heard it's made a comeback. I've heard there's a good. Well, scene it's a there. new iteration I mean, of yes. it. But um, no, I mean, it doesn't that, exist like that. It did Boston, then. Uh, uh, you know, that was legendary. Yeah, right. It was, it was very, very unique. It was very unique in that there were so many world class comics that all lived in one place and would headline in these areas like every week. Yeah, it and they make so tons unusual. of money and do it all in coke. Yeah. That's the only place I've ever been offered to be paid in Coke. Wow. They would they would go, do you want cash or Coke? Or a little bit of both. I'd be like, just give me the money, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. That was Nick's comedy stop. There's some places that were, I mean, allegedly, I don't know for sure. I can't, I could never say this in court, fully run by the mob. And, you know, they, they had these wild ties to organized crime and they were running comedy clubs and. I'm sure they're moving money around and stuff. It's crazy. But it was awesome. The people that were there, the, the comedians, they were so talented. They were so good. And they never changed their material, ever. Right. They didn't need to. No. They, they didn't do any specials. None of those guys did specials. And all those guys had an hour that would fucking shake the foundation of the building. Like yeah. Don Gavin, Steve Sweeney, and Kevin Knox, and... You know, there were so many of those guys. Mike yeah. Donovan, they were monsters. They were monsters. Kenny Rogerson. Yeah. I, I remember watching them going, how does the world not know about these fucking people? 
Like they were, they were as good, if not better, than anybody that was on Evening at the Improv or HBO, or and they never left. They stayed in this one town, and there were so many clubs they could work at that they had no desire to leave. And they would leave. They would go to other places, and the other places people wouldn't know them, and they wouldn't right. get the same reaction. So they'd come back to Boston again. Yeah, but isn't that? It's a trap. It, it, it's it is a trap, right? It's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. Yeah, they they could have been world class everywhere, and they chose to not do that and to stay within the confines of the the comfort of their their playground, which is almost the uh, the upside down version of you being able to go to Austin, right? Right. So you going to Austin, you're like I can go where I want, and I'm going to go here, and. The the them not leaving Boston, you know, it's similar, you know, like, look, I grew up in a small town and there were people that when I moved to New York were kind of like, uh, how'd you get that? And I'm like, you can, you, you can, can move, move there too. <laughs> There's, <laughs> they stopped asking for a passport. And you so found a ticket somewhere. There is... Something, you know, there's the comfort they enjoyed. They were also, you know, partying their ass off. But you have to, I guess you got to make yourself uncomfortable, don't you? Oh, it's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. If you strive for comfort, you're fucked. You you can't do that. There's, I mean, it's not bad to be comfortable occasionally. How do you carry on the lessons that you've acquired? How do you give those to your children? That's hard. That's really hard. Is it I mean, nature I think or nurture? It's both. It's both for sure. I mean, I have uh, one kid, my middle kid, who is a fucking straight up psycho. I don't have to tell her anything. She is just so driven and so smart and disciplined. And then I have my youngest who is really artistic and yeah. was less motivated, but now she does a lot of sports and she's more motivated. And then I have my oldest who is probably like one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And I'm like, you are so nice. And the fact that you grew up with me <laughs> and you've, you've become this incredibly kind and sweet person. So it's like, you yeah. don't, you, you, you can't pick how your kids are going to turn out. You can yeah. do your very best to influence them and to give them lessons and to teach them things. But my children grew up wealthy. Yeah. There's no way they're not going to be wealthy. They've never had to worry about whether or not we're going to have food. I remember when I was a kid and we were on welfare, wondering if we were going to have food. Wow. And when you're seven years old and that's in your head, that fucks with you. Yeah. And it gives you this feeling of, it's not just a lack of security. It's, um, it, it lights a fire under your ass to go out and do things because you realize like you have to, like, how people used to be in the fucking pioneer days. They had to go get food. There was yeah. no stores. They had to go get it. They had to go yeah. get the food. They had to yeah. either grow food. And there, there was no air conditioning. There was no air conditioning. Imagine that. That sucks. Imagine being here. Ugh. No AC. No thanks. In the summer. I mean, at least we have a river. Jump in the river. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. It's rough. And not only that, they didn't have any mosquito repellent. They didn't have shit. They probably that? had like natural things. <sighs> What? Yeah, what was New Orleans like? I mean, oh, that, oh, that's probably why everybody's drunk. Yeah, 
Not I think only that, you have to get drunk, right? The fucking diseases. I mean, they, there was a malaria yeah. outbreak in America. Do you know that? Yeah. Ma- yeah. We've had malaria outbreaks in America, and it's from standing water. And they realized that these mosquitoes breed in standing water. So they, they eradicated the standing water, and they did a bunch of different things to try to mitigate the mosquito population. But, yeah. All right, here, let's do a... You're going to do your prediction of what's going to happen in the next 10 years, and then I'll do my prediction, unless you want me to go first. Okay. Um, with the collapse of the narrative that people are going to be saved from COVID by vaccines, uh-huh. they're going to try to push them even further, and there's going to be a bunch of people buy into it because they're going to be afraid that if they don't buy into it, that they're going to be ostracized from the good group of people. And that only the bad group of people don't believe that this is the only way to go. The the possible medical treatments for COVID, the ones, the, the early treatments that are important, that are being developed, and some of them that exist, will be adopted by some. And there'll be a, a divide between people that think you should have early treatment or people that think you should have like your fourth booster, which is what they're doing in Israel. Along the way... What I'm worried about most is that they do import some sort of a vaccine passport, which will evolve into a social credit system. The social Similar credit to what system, China has right exactly. Now. That yeah. that's what's terrifying about mandates. That's what's terrifying about the direction this country's going in. Because they said we would never mandate vaccinations. They said that very early on. We would never do that. Now they're saying we're mandating vaccines. Now mm-hmm. in California, you have to mandate a vaccine for children. For them to go to school, which is fucking sketchy and really But there's scary. other vaccines that kids take. Yeah, but it's not right. a vaccine because you have to take it all the time. You have to take it every year, every couple right. times uh, a year, three times a year, whatever it's going to be. Right. It's a, it's essentially a gene therapy. It's not like a smallpox vaccine or a measles vaccine. Is there take any it truth to the rumor away. that went with the different variants as we go through the, the Greek alphabet that when we finish the Greek alphabet, the world dies? Is that true? It might be. Um, but this is my fear. My fear is yeah. that the government, which is an entity, look, if you look at humans, right, when human beings have power over other human beings, whether they're a boss at an office that's unchecked, that wants to fuck all the secretaries and steal all the money, or whether it's a, a president or whether it's a congressperson who yeah. uh, gets to use insider trading tactics and yeah, accumulate that's, hundreds that's, of millions of dollars. That should be gone. It obviously. should be gone. But all that stuff is in play. Why? Because they've accumulated unchecked power, and they will continue to exert this unchecked power as often and as pos- as often and as as widely as possible. And my fear is that one of the tools that will allow them to do that is to institute some sort of a social credit system. And people will go along with it because they think that they're doing the right thing, that they're good people, and that good people want people to be vaccinated. And the best way to do that is to have an app. And the best way to ensure that people do the best to protect those around them is to sign up for this social credit system. And they're already buttering people up to it. There was an article in Yahoo about how you're going to be able to have access to more credit if you agree to this social system, um, if you agree to uh, allowing them, the, the, the premise initially was allowing them to look at your browser history. If you allow access to your browser history, I'll show you the article. Find really? The article. Yeah, yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> if you allow access to your browser history. You can get history. more credit, Jim. Maybe you want that nice house. Maybe there's a house you like, and then there's a house you can afford. Maybe you can afford the house you like. 
Just oh, let it's us so your interesting. Computer. It's kind of like free Wi-Fi if you give us your birthday. Exactly. So it's letting yeah. you slowly get integrated into the system, and the benefits that you get from it will allow you to take this chance, and then they're going to have their hooks in. And this is the thing that most social psychologists that are studying this shit are terrified of. Credit scores may soon be based on your web history. Is that a good thing? It's a good thing. Experts predict in the not-too-distant future, your internet habits could affect your credit score and help lenders determine what they offer you. We will let you in on what we know so far about how your online activity could be used to determine how much credit you can get and what interest rate. This is the beginning of this shit. Once they develop a social credit system and say, Jim, you've been paying your taxes late. You're not going to be able to go to the movies on Friday. Like that kind of oh, shit. Oh, it's like China. You can't get on that train. Exactly. That kind of shit is how they divide society. And that is 100% on the table for the United States of America if we don't watch. If we don't pay attention <sighs> and if we allow these politicians to have this unchecked use of power, it, it absolutely could be our future. And it will be dystopian at best. If that's what happens, if they have that and kind of unchecked power. That, you think that is, is this... Uh, is this uh, more likely to occur among the Democrats or the Republicans or in either? I think it's probably either. I think yeah. we our idea of what people are capable of is uh, based entirely on the allegiance we have to our tribe and whether or not we you know, think we're the good guys or the bad guys. Right. I think if you look at the way the far left behaves with Antifa lighting fucking buildings on fire and throwing rocks at cops and all that crazy shit, they're doing just as crazy. Their, their behavior is just as crazy as people that are on the far right. Do it's, you feel like you uh, you don't feel like the um, – I mean, I, it's just like – so you think that Antifa is as big enough of a problem as – the uh, the insurrectionists and stuff like that. It completely depends on where you live. It right. completely depends on how much power they have. I think if the insurrectionists got to a point where they were supported, like those morons that uh, went into the Capitol on January 6th, right. they got to the point where they were, they were uh, protected and supported by politicians, and they were- If they uh, were described as patriots. Yes, and, and not only that, if they were um, exonerated of uh, all their vandalism, the, yeah. all the things that Antifa's yeah. done, exonerated of their vandalism, said that their protests were mostly peaceful. If they, right. they use that kind of rhetoric and they built them up, I think they're all equally dangerous. I think it's a human nature issue more than it is an ideological issue. I don't think there's a good ideology and a bad ideology when yeah. it comes to the opposition of power. I think there are, there are tactics and strategies that people will use, and they will use them if they think they're doing it for social justice, if they have fucking blue hair and a Molotov cocktail, or if they think they're doing it because they're patriotic because they have an American flag bandana and a fucking Molotov right. cocktail. I think they're the same people. I think they're the same people, and if you got that guy with the fucking buffalo helmet on who uh, sat in Nancy Pelosi's chair, yeah. if you got that dipshit and he moved into Portland and he grew up there and he thought that he was going to you know, uh, take down the Capitol building and throw a fucking uh, hand right. grenade at right. Ted Wheeler, who's the mayor of Portland, he would have done that. He would have he he done that. 
instead of attack the Capitol, instead of being this QAnon dummy, he would have been uh, an Antifa dummy. I don't, I don't think they're any different. I think they adopt this ideology. They fit in. They get meaning in that. They find themselves. It's their religion. Exactly. Exactly. It's very tribal. And it's, it's very much in line with human behavior characteristics that have existed from the beginning of time. And we know that these people are receiving tons of, uh, you know, information on uh, through social media and stuff like that. That is like all these a lot of these. I mean, a lot of these Trump supporters, they're sincere, like these oh, yeah. people that are Did like you see into the storm. Yeah, I the think QAnon so. documentary yeah. on HBO. Yeah, yeah, wild, wild shit. That's why I'm surprised that your prediction and and I, you know, when you talk about like the social credit score, but like I look at it this way, um, and some of it is I'm a comedian, all right, so I I'm not, but um, so two years, uh, you know, here we are in 22, um. It's going to be a, a – the Democrats are going to lose the House. They're going to lose the Senate. They're going to lose a lot of uh, – they're going to impeach Biden uh, on, you know, s- some kind of Benghazi kind of thing. Um, and it's this powder keg that's getting worse and worse. And, um, and then – um, you know, the voting rights, people are going to be, I would think people would be like kind of pissed in these, you know, uh, these communities where there's, you know, African-Americans have one place to vote and it's 20 miles away when I know that I can walk in and I don't even have to set aside a half an hour. I think people are going to be kind of pissed. I think there's going to be more violence. I think it's probably not going to be good. I think that, um, uh, you know. Is that a gigantic issue where so many African Americans live in a place where there's no place to vote in person? It seems like voting but rights. You talk, is that like a rural thing? Are you talking about rural populations? I think populations? it's like there's certain communities where the access to voting has been limited. In numerous yeah. states. We know that, right? Well, the, there's definitely shenanigans on both sides when it comes to voting. Because from the beginning, like, if you said to anybody, like, do you think there's ever been an election where there's zero voting fraud? No. Never. Not, I mean, not I'm not talking one. about Kennedy winning uh, Chicago. But, and that is, that, but that's, that's but the that beginning like, of it That all. was 1960. Right. But do you know that the Democrats accused do you think Bush that Trump, of stealing the election? Right. Yes. Yeah. M- on more than one occasion. And it's like this is a thing that people have but always. Like there's people that think that um, uh, essentially the Republicans had better lawyers. That's how W won that. Yes. There are people that think that. And yeah. then with John Kerry in particular, that was another one. Right. Um, with Al Gore, that was another one. But there wasn't there wasn't the storming of the Capitol no. when Trump won. Well, I think that's entirely a creation of social media and the ability to gather up people and do something really fucking stupid like that. And then on top of that, but, but agent was provocateurs. It, was it all right? Agent provocateurs. Did you ever see but those guys? The guys didn't who didn't Trump tell- do a tweet like it's going to be wild. Oh, listen, he is one hundred percent 
a part of why they did that. One hundred percent because yes. of his influence and because you said you have to be strong and you have to do that. He was compounding upon some other things that were happening. But I also yeah. think there was, without a doubt, agent provocateurs from the federal government that encouraged people to go into the federal building, into Capitol building. There's, but why? You know, they have them on video. Why? Because they want to arrest people. They want to catch people doing stuff like that. And they also want to be able to so have you're talking more about the authoritarian Scott, right? that, control. That, yeah. that, that, have you watched that? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. wild shit. So, but like, you're telling me that... And again, it's like, you know, it's so interesting on social media. People are like, you can't call them this. I'm like, look, I, I'm what not- What are they saying you can't call them? Um, uh, insurrectionists. Well, you what are I mean? they? If you're, if you're storming into the Capitol building with zip <laughs> right. ties, these guys had zip zip, zip ties. Right. Like a what fucking are they? huge what are bundle they? Well, of Well, what them. they're saying is that they would describe them as protesters. Some of them, I think, were yeah. protesters who got caught up. And you know there up. were some grandmas and grandpas that were like, yes. we like Trump. Yes. <laughs> What's going yes. on? But there was also some people that were probably legit terrorists. I think that the guy who was with the fucking zip ties, yes. if, if that guy found Nancy Pelosi and zip tied her and carried her off and, or, or maybe even executed her, I mean, that's not outside the realm of possibility with oh, some of these I fucking totally people. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think that like the, the, uh, the thing that I find so amazing is that the fact that, and sadly there was a, five people that died, but like the fact that like none of the government officials were were killed is like a fluke very lucky very lucky like if they were in the wrong place the wrong time they didn't anticipate that and they thought that you know they would be held off so they stayed in the capitol building and they weren't rushed off into some fucking underground bunker or wherever they put those people and the wrong people got to them it's it's about the wrong people right it's like i think that a lot of them were dorks i don't think the guy with the buffalo helmet you see when he was walking around the senate oh, he's mentally ill He's, yeah. a, he's got a problem yeah. and he's not that smart and he's yeah. you know they he thought he was like being a patriot and i think there's a lot of them like that and but, why were they but the guy with the zip ties when oh, i yeah. saw that i showed that to someone i'm like this motherfucker has zip ties why do you think he has zip ties that that's to restrain someone that's because yeah. he thinks he's going to play cop or a good guy or a patriot or he's executioner. Gonna, or executioner he's going to zip tie someone's hands yes. you know they were calling for mike pence they were saying you're a fucking traitor and you were going to come I, for you. I I can't, I can't begin to to contemplate the the mindset of Mike Pence over the past five years. I mean, it's just. Well, he was a radio guy, right? Well, he was also he's. I think he's a. a I think he sincerely loves his wife. I think he's sincere in his Christian faith. But like, I think like, the, look, all politicians are politicians. But like the level of decay, and by the way, this is following up two stand-up comedians talking about the amount of shit that we've eaten, <laughs> the amount of humiliation that we've consumed. But like there is a point where you're like, really? R really? You know, and by the way, Mike Pence did the right thing in kind of- Well, he did the right uh, thing in that he didn't try to reverse the vote. Yes. Because- Trump, but, there but was like, some sort of weird loophole in that, in the law that yeah. was being discussed as to whether or not Mike Pence can change. Throw out things. Which is yes. fucking insane. It's absolutely Imagine insane. if Trump had a vice Trump. 
Yeah, well, that's right? what he's going to have. Well, who the fuck? And would by have the way, him? that's 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 part of my prediction. Is oh, so then when Trump runs against Biden, they're both impeached. Mm. I don't think Biden's going to run a second time. I think it's going to be Pete Buttigieg, and it might not even be Kamala Harris. She might bail because she's so unliked. She might become a hazard for the the Democratic Party. If you look at her, her the voter confidence and the, the it is weird how it shifts in a matter of three months. Yeah. So I mean, Biden was pronounced dead numerous times, right? Yeah. And so That's was true. McCain before him. But the, I mean? the Democratic Party was so firmly behind Biden that even though he was pronounced dead, like no one's going to vote for him. It's like the, what they wanted was the Democrat Party in place. They wanted to get yeah. Trump out and have the Democrats in place and restore what they felt like was order. And so he was the best representative of that. And he's the guy who's going to play ball the most, you know. But I think, um, I mean, look, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think. If Michelle Obama ran, she would win. I know, but why why would she do it? Yeah, why would she, right? She was already the first lady. She did eight years as the first lady. She experienced enough fucking chaos and stress. They made it out. But who knows, man? She might feel like uh, she has a duty to the country. She might feel like, because she could fucking win for sure. I really firmly believe she wins. Well, I think we also know that... uh, the Democrats have to build that Obama coalition, and uh, which is motivating African Americans. So she could definitely do that. Well, it's also we want a female president, right? Like, and to have a female president that is the wife of the greatest president of our lifetime, and brilliant lady, charming, Absolutely. so easy to like, and and she would. You know, she's given speeches judgment. before. Yes. You trust her judgment. Well, it's what we need. Like, as a president, what we, what we have always needed was someone who represents the very best of us. And we, I think we got that with Obama. You could say we got that with Clinton before he got his dick sucked. We, you know, you could say, you know, before he got in trouble with certain things. But we want someone who seems better than us. We want yeah, someone yeah. who is like aspiration. Yes, we want yeah. someone who is when they represent the United States of America, they represent as good as what we have to offer. That was Obama. Obama was this brilliant lawyer. He was so smooth and he was so measured and the way he would talk about things was so statesmanlike that that over I mean not like all of them people are going to have policy issues with. All of them people are going to have issues with whether with what we do overseas or what happens with the economy, there's going to be disputes left and right about everything the president does. No president is universally loved. But what you can't deny is what Obama represented was about as good as America has to offer in terms of intelligence and poise and control of himself and the way he dignified the office. He was a great statesman. So interesting. Because I, I, I totally agree, but I think that that's what you and I think. I think that the reason Trump came to power is probably because there were a lot of people that didn't feel that way about Biden, about Obama. Well, I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that. I think really? if Obama had another op. If they said we're going to change the rules, you can ro- run for a third term. He would win. Oh, he would beat. He would beat Trump. I think Hillary Clinton is very unlikable. I think that was part of the problem. The part of the problem was he was running against, and he barely beat Hillary. Right, yeah. he lost in the popular vote. 
Yeah. But Hillary Clinton was just very unlikable. Like the basket of deplorables, like saying something like that. You're literally talking about half the country. Like the the way they would make these errors in communication based on the way they were they felt they were being attacked by the other side. Instead of trying to reach out and trying to unite everybody, she would alienate them and try to solidify her base. But may, it just makes you look petty and it makes everybody not... They think of you as what he's characterizing, lion Hillary. They think of you as this like this part of the machine, part Do of the establishment. Do you think that Hillary was a victim of uh, her uh, exposure for decades? Because we right. know she's That's smart. That's a good point, right? Yeah. We know she's very smart. By the way, when she moved to New York and I lived in New York, uh, uh, and she ran for senator, I was like, no way. It's not going to happen. And she won over New Yorkers. And I'm not talking about just the city. She won over upstate New Yorkers. Yeah. And so, like, I do think that she had been around for a couple decades and- We're tired of her. And she was Bill's wife. And, and then there was also talk that she had intimidated women who had come forth with accusations about yeah. Bill. So and, it's like- Yeah, for sure. I, I think, think you're right. that if she- yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's... If she wasn't attached to Bill, she probably would have won. Right? Which she almost won anyway. I mean, she, you know, it's... it's um, I, I think it's amazing that she lost. I, I, you know, I think that it's one of those things where... And by the way, she lost uh, college-educated white women. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what, what? They didn't trust her. I think there's a lot of people that didn't trust. They, they don't trust someone who they think is a politician, and they're more willing to trust someone who is a fucking talk show host, a guy who is a uh, host so. Why of the doesn't The Rock run? Oh, he would win. He would win. Oh, we're that dumb. What's that? We're that dumb. Yeah, he would win. <laughs> so why don't why uh, why I think doesn't he's busy. why doesn't McConaughey run for governor of he Texas? He doesn't want to. He's, I think that's very smart in his part. I think he feels like he can do more good just kind of talking to people. And, you know, he is obviously a very intelligent guy and he's got a very interesting perspective and philosophy on life. I, I enjoy talking to him. Have you ever talked to him? Uh, no. He's a very smart guy. And he also, but like that's him not falling victim to his ego. Yeah. He was like, yes. you know what? I'm not going to fall into yes. this trap. Yes. He's good smart point. enough to navigate yeah. this. Good point. He's a good guy. I really genuinely think that. I don't know him well. But I, from what I know from talking to him, I mean, I, I really think he's sincere and I think he's really intelligent and he, he has a, a very clear philosophy that he follows. And like, a, like he's very ethical and moral in the way he thinks about things and he, and he thinks about doing the right thing. And I think, you know, he thought maybe that would be a good framework to be a governor. And then he stopped, I guess, and he just, what, what am I doing? The fuck am I doing? I'm going to make a movie. Yeah. I'm going to go make uh, Interstellar 3. <laughs> and do you think that, like, so we are animals. We're absolutely yeah, animals. Clearly. And, but we're something new. You know? But, like, the power of, um, you know, you're talking about McConaughey. Uh, he's an attractive man, right? Is that to his benefit? Like so, I the reason I bring Michelle Obama, I think she's attractive. Um, 
is that the price of entry for some of this? Like, do we give these beautiful people a pass because we like to look at them? I think Hillary. Um, I think Hillary's would... attractive. I mean, she was. I mean, what she is. Are you, who did you? How much did you have <laughs> no. to drink? What's unattractive are you about to her? Fuck Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no. You had one drink. What's unattractive Jesus about Hillary Christ. Clinton? Uh, the body count. Uh, <laughs> no, like uh, you know. Uh, so I don't know. Kamala Harris is attractive. That uh, probably physically. Helped. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But when she laughs at everything that's not funny, it's like a shitty comic. It's so laugh funny. At their own it's jokes, like, like I tried to do a joke, not about her, about how like, <laughs> about how there's nothing more rewarding than a laugh and nothing more uncomfortable than a laugh. Than a fake laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. But it's like awkward. attraction, being attractive is pretty important. Right. Um, well, it certainly helped JFK. I think it helped Bill Clinton when he was in his prime. It, it helped Obama. It didn't help Trump. Trump's not an attractive guy. I mean, I find him very sexy. No, but like somebody must. His, I think his success makes him more attractive because he's got this, you know, bigger than life personality. Yeah, but I think that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He's got to be attractive to some people. Somebody. It's it's uh, it's more his attitude than anything, and you know. When the guy g- gives those speeches and he makes fun of things and he gets big laughs, like he's kind of being a comic. He's got good. Oh timing. yeah, no, he's. There is something uh, that I would d- not deny his entertainment value. Did you, you went on like a liquored up Twitter rant about? Yeah, him I was once, not huh? liquored up. I I would like to think you were liquored up. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I I think that. Um, Look, I, you know, I've talked about this, uh, you know, I tried to, but I was on the lockdown and, um, you know, I was just witnessing uh, the Republican convention. Look, all politicians lie. I know yeah. that. But like there was a certain amount of, I felt like it was, his lies were working. Mm. Like I, there's part of me that's like the Trump thing it's like even when Bill Clinton was talking, we all knew he was bullshitting, right. but it's okay, you know. And W, he was like, "Hey, doing this, you know, doing yeah. that." It's like we we know we know what's going on here, but with Trump, there's just this allegiance that I was, and I was sitting with my five kids, and uh, not sitting next to them, uh, but I was like, you know what, this is not going to go well. And I want them to know where I stand mm. on these things. Yeah. And so, uh, and some of it is I did treat myself uh, because I do believe that, you know, I don't think that a comedian, I had a tweet where I was like, if you think that if you're letting an entertainer tell you who to vote for, you shouldn't vote. And I do believe that. But like, I think that there's a lot of people, particularly during the Republican convention, there were all these like – they brought out a nun to say that Biden's not Catholic. They they had Lou Holtz, <laughs> <laughs> you know, say he's not Catholic. Look, I'm not a good Catholic. I'm not presenting – I, but I'm like, come on. Come on. You know what I mean? You can sit there and debate some of this stuff about uh, what – a Catholic politician, but like compared to Trump, right? Do you know what I mean? That's what was just like. Look, let's 
just draw this in, you know, l- let me just tweet about this. And here's what's interesting. So I was kind of, and I told my manager, I'm like, you know what? I don't regret it. And I might have lost all these people. And he's like, haha, you know, he, he didn't care either, really. Um, but uh, then I went touring. Not real change in numbers. <laughs> no <laughs> Did change. Did you really think you lost people for that? I oh, wouldn't. I, I was convinced. I lost, uh, uh, you know, these virtual corporate events. I, I lost a couple things, you know, and I was like, I didn't regret it. I mean, look, I'm, my kids are going to, you know, be fed. But uh, this I, is a, po- a bunch of posturing after the fact. But once the dust settles, you have so many fans. Like, I don't I don't think that's a real concern. And I think also people, again, it's authenticity. Yeah. You know, it's like. They know that it's really you. This is not like engineer. There's not a, well, a writer in the room with you that's working yeah, out these th- tweets. It's like there's yeah. not. It, it's just a level of. But I will say that I think this is interesting. I was on some show. I won't specify because I don't want to out this person. And um, I was making fun of him. I'm like, I know you're a big QAnon supporter and all this stuff. <laughs> and, you uh, you know, like, you, and and we were joking around about it. And, he, and afterwards, he goes, I have to cut all that out. And I go, why? And he goes, because I have 24-hour security. And I go, what do you mean you have 24-hour? He goes, my children have security. I have security. This is someone in the entertainment industry that is dealing with death threats on a daily basis. And I'm like, what? And so, like, I was like, and this is the guy's not making it up. And so, like, I mean, you probably have security, right? You met him. Yeah. But, like, I think this guy's, his family has it. And I'm like. Hmm. Like he's a former president or something. And is it because of his controversial stand on certain things? He's a funny person. Mm. It's not, he's not. Um, Did he go against Trump supporters? Is that what it is? You don't have to say. Not, not we'll talk that much. I can't wait till this podcast to be over. <laughs> not that much. I'll tweet it immediately. Not way. that much. But it was one of those things where. That wouldn't happen. By yeah. the way, I've gotten, uh, you know, definitely got some death threats mm. from that Twitter. By the way, I, how it was described as a rant. You know what? The thing that only bothered me is that I think people, uh, when it was characterized as I was criticizing uh, Trump supporters, because I. You know, like that whole like you talked about deplorables and all that. It's like I I do think that like that he is a problem, but I don't think that like you know I know people that that like Trump. It's like and it, it saddens me, but it doesn't mean that I don't think they're a good person. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, there's. I think people like what he stands for. Is that he stands for someone who stands up against career politicians, like the ones we were talking about earlier, that are, you know, uh, using insider trading tactics to enrich themselves while they're in office. And there's a lot of that. And those people are responsible for a lot of the policies that are very detrimental to the average working person. And I, you know, I think some people thought he was a solution to that. 
And yeah. because of the fact that he wasn't a career politician and because of the fact that he talked off the cuff and he said wild shit, that that would somehow and he know pissed be off people. Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't piss me off. He concerns me. Mm-hmm. And well, it's... Remember that Stephen King movie? Um, what was that movie where um, there was a guy, it was Christopher Walken, he could see the future... And he saw, God damn it, what is it? There was a, a guy who was running for president. The dead zone. Thank you. The dead oh, zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that that's what everyone's terrified of. Ego that leads to, like, nuclear war, nuclear catastrophe. Someone who is in the helm of, I mean, you're the commander-in-chief of the greatest army the world's ever known. Right. And you won a popularity contest to get there. It's kind of wild. It's insane. It's so insane. And but like, what does, the, what's does the that alternative? concern you? Does, oh, does, for sure. Does it concern you me. that uh, that that are you? Who would you like to be the next president besides Michelle Obama? Tulsi Gabbard. And you'd be fine with DeSantis. I think what he has done to allow people to continue their lives while trying to protect the elderly in Florida, although controversial and although easily criticized, mm -hmm. I think it's admirable because it's a difficult path. Because initially when he decided to do that early on in the pandemic, people said he was out of his fucking mind and they expected there to be a body count in Florida that was off the charts. 10 times more than anywhere else. I mean, they're going to let restaurants open and bars open. You could do concerts there. We did a UFC there. We actually did, I believe we did it with no audience in April of 2020. So it was very yeah. early on, yeah. right? Uh, it didn't turn out that way. When you look at it, it turns out he was right. It turns out the economy didn't collapse in Florida the way it collapsed in many other places. Yeah. It turns out, uh, when you, especially when you adjust it for age, the amount of people that died in Florida was less than that it was in California, age-adjusted. Um, when you look at the amount of cases, they're comparable to any other high population density area. Like there, you have immense populations of people that have COVID in New York. A lot of people have uh, a lot of people have COVID in California. It's a respiratory disease. It's gonna fucking spread. What's important is early treatment. What's important is educating people about the value of being healthy, taking right. care of yourself, and then you know, you know, if they're saying they're running out of hospital beds, increase the fucking hospital beds. Like that. That's what people should have concentrated on. Make more access to medicine and health and don't fire he health care workers because they don't want to get vaccinated when they've already had covid and beaten it and they have the antibodies well, you, this that's is why, this that's, is crazy that's why you have to watch my specialist because like uh first of all it's great no but sure is great. that um i i kind of touch on like they didn't you know and comorbidities has many different things but they really didn't want to say all you fat asses are going to die. <laughs> they didn't, they couldn't, and I talk about it, they didn't have, yeah. you know, they didn't want Sanjay Gupta to be like, well, Anderson, all the fat asses are going to die. Right. But because we're kind of in this, obviously comorbidities means- Meanwhile, I, I, you had COVID and you didn't even know it. I know. Amazing. Because I'm so strong. You know, a lot Amazing. of this fat is muscle. <laughs> it's, I lost all this weight during the lockdown and then I, you know, gained it back in maybe a half an hour. <laughs> How much weight did you lose in the lockdown? I lost probably 25 pounds. I, you know, because I texted with you and you're like, cut out bread, cut out sugar. And I did. And it... Was it hard to do? It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, 
now I'm kind of like trying to make up for it, I guess. <laughs> no, but I, uh, you know, I definitely felt a lot better. It's like you cut out sugar and you cut out bread, and it's like your knees bend. Yes, it's inflammation. Yeah. That's the so. thing. Like one of the things that happens to me when I, well, if I go on a bender and yeah. I eat like a lot of pasta, which is my thing. That's that's where I gorge. Oh my god, and pasta I, is so it's good. So good, and I'll eat like multiple servings. Yeah, like if it's for three or four people, I'll eat that all that. Oh yeah, there's a restaurant in Philadelphia. I need you to go to. Ooh, what is it? It's um, it's on my Instagram. It's Mark uh, Vetri's. He has um, Furalina. It is, if you're a pasta guy, Ugh. I'm not kidding. It's my kryptonite. It is, uh, it'll change your life. I'm sure. It'll change your life. It's, that's my kryptonite. I mean, I. But then I was, the next day you won't be able to walk. Yeah, that's the thing. My knees hurt the next day. When I eat a lot of pasta, like my fucking knees will hurt. My lower back will hurt. And it's inflammation. I talked to my doctor about it. He goes, that is inflammation causing food. And that's what that means. It's like literally causes inflammation in your joints, inflammation in your body. And it's the source of a lot of diseases and a lot of the, the illnesses that people have. It's because of inflammation. Did previous generations deal with this inflammation too? No. Um, first of all, processed sugar really has not been a thing in the human race until the beginning of the 19th century, I think. When, when was it when they started eating sugary candies and stuff? Oh, yeah. No, I remember yeah. that was a big thing with the British. They brought sugar back and everyone's mm. teeth fell out. Yeah. Um, and then the wheat that we have has more complex glutens in it. It's been they've manipulated the wheat for higher yield per acre. So right. you're getting this like dense wheat that you're, you're eating glue. You're basically yeah. eating like, remember when you used to make paste when you were a kid? Yeah. You're, you're like shoveling that in your face. I mean, it's I mean, delicious, a lot of amazing a lot. paste. Yeah. yeah, but that's what you're eating. You're eating like a fucking wad of dough and it, it sits in the bottom of your stomach when it mixes with wine and How does food Tom Papa and, make all that bread and still be kind of thin? Well, here's an interesting thing. Tom Papa's bread is made with a starter, and it is a um, sourdough starter, and sourdough bread in general has less gluten than regular oh, bread. really? Yeah, because that is like the best bread you can have. It's organic. He makes it himself. You know the source. He like literally has this old starter. I think it's from like the 1930s, the, the, the actual you know yeast starter. And I don't exactly understand how he does it. He's explained it to me. I forgot. Yeah. But right. the you, you've had his bread. I haven't had his bread. <gasps> well, I live in New York. Oh, my God. He should yeah. freeze some and send it to you. It's fucking sensational. Really? Yeah. yeah. When you come to L.A., you must go and have his bread. I've, I have with fantasies butter, about bread. With, with grass-fed, grass-finished butter, which is like a dark yellow, like oh, a yeah. yellowy looks butter. looks like urine. Oh, my God. You spread that all over that bread and just nom, nom, oh, yeah. nom, nom, nom. It's such good bread. Tom uh, Papa and I have an exchange. Yeah. I give him you a little him, meat. He you gives give me meat. some bread. We're good to go. I, that's similar. He gives me bread. I give him AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, that's not funny. No, it's funny, um, though. It's funny now. Okay, here it is. In 510 BC, the emperor Darius of Persia invaded India, where he found that's the Darius re Rucker, who was in <laughs> Who Do You uh, Fish? <laughs> nice guy, by the way. The the reed which gives honey without bees. 
The secret of cane sugar was was uh, kept a closely guarded secret whilst the finished product was exported. Interesting. So that's when they first figured out sugar cane? Yeah, and then all the way back then took till 1747, it says, until sugar beet mm. was a new source of sugar. And like that's when Britain... Okay, and then Britain blockaded sugar imports to continental Europe. By 1880, sugar beet had replaced sugar cane as the main source of sugar in continental Europe. But it still wasn't like corn syrup, like where it was prevalent. Yeah, another thing said 1770 in Britain is when they started eating like five times the amount of sugar they'd eaten in like the previous... 1710. Ah, so that's when it started. So it was the the 18th century. What about how, like, um, in uh, the, uh, I know you read this. That's crazy. Look at that statistic. During the 18th century, sugar became enormously popular. Great Britain, for example, consumed five times as much sugar in 1770 as in 1710. Wow. That's nuts. That's probably, yeah, when their teeth started falling out and they also started getting fat. Uh, You know, I did. this movie uh, where I, uh, for Peter Pan, where I played a pirate and I did all this research on pirates. Do you know that like the British Navy essentially was assembled by, it was the success of pirates that was instrumental because they had this war with the Spanish and they were like, there were these pirates and they're like, hey, you can free reign if you attack these Spanish and so they essentially it was it was essentially a bunch of criminals. Wow. And they then they and then they absorb some of the pirates. They're like, "All right, you can be now you can be uh, the general. The general and you can go back to England and you can have and they gave part of Jamaica to another pirate. It's like the British Navy, this great military power was essentially like you know, criminals. They were like, it kind of makes sense, though, if you think about all these different civilizations throughout history that were run by tyrants and evil m- warmongers. Like, look at how about the Mongols? I was just listening today to this person who was talking about, and this is kind of funny because Dan Carlin's actually kind of joked about people saying these things before. Dan Carlin was the host of Hardcore oh, yeah. History. No, it's, it's great. It's an amazing podcast. Yeah. Um, Dan, what this guy was talking about was how. The Mongol Empire, it, it it made the way, it paved the way to a lot of great things with trading, with Europe, with Asia, and all these different things. And he sort of was g- waxing poetically about the impact of a group of people in the Mongols, run by Genghis Khan, that killed between fifty and seventy million people in his lifetime. He killed somewhere around. 10% of the population of Earth. So much so he reduced the carbon footprint on planet Earth because there's less people. Well, did you ever hear about Maybe I listened to it on his thing where he would <laughs> they would eat meals on top of yes. people? They would stack people below their deck and so they would crush them to death while they're eating meals. Why? And he could hear them groan. Vlad Tepes, who is the inspiration for Dracula, for Bram Stoker's Dracula, he would put his enemies on stakes in front of him. So he would plant a stake in the ground and have a sharp point and impale them. And so they would wither around while he was eating. So he'd be eating lunch in front of them while they were- And isn't Genghis Khan like- percentage of all Asians oh, are yeah. related to him? Yeah. Let's find out what that percentage is. 
It's like it's, a pretty severe amount. He did a lot of fucking. The, well, you could say he did a lot of raping because that'd be more accurate. Yeah, and yeah. I think he was. He also like took over the army when he was like fourteen. He was uh, <laughs> like insane. It was quite young when he killed his first people. Uh, since two thousand three, a study found evidence that Genghis Khan's DNA is present in about sixteen million oh, men it. alive I thought today. It was more than that. The Mongolian ruler's genetic prowess has stood as an unparalleled accomplishment. <laughs> oh, one in two hundred men. Look at that. In quantitative terms, 10% of the men who reside within the borders of the Mongol Empire, as it was at the death of Genghis Khan, may carry his DNA. Yeah. So wow. that is, I think that's, that's wild. That's Asia. I think that's into Europe. One in 200 men are, scroll back up. One in 200 men are direct descendants of Genghis Khan. <laughs> that's wild. And if he was here right now, he'd be like, it's pronounced Genghis. Yeah. <laughs> no, Genghis, but like. Yeah. And, well, his name is Temujin. That was his real name. And so he was, and so like, I had a joke about this in Pale Taurus. It's like, those Mongols were like, killing it. And now they're like, you know what, we'll just open some buffets. Like they, <laughs> how do you like fall off the horse like that? And right. which, so China and India are probably going to take over, right? Most likely China. China seems to have a very unique situation where their government and their businesses are inexorably intertwined. They're not like any other place on earth. Whereas the government and the business, the business don't do anything without the government's supervision. And when the businesses step out of line, they vanish people. They take billionaires and they lock them in dungeons and who knows what the fuck they do to them. But when people get, they get mouthy, they talk shit, they, they vanish them. Whether they're a billionaire or a famous actor or an athlete. Tennis player. Yeah, or a, a Uyghur Muslim. I mean, whatever they do. They, that tennis player, they ever found her? Yeah, I think she came out and she said, uh, "I misspoke. no." There was a no. There was a printed, re, oh, printed really? release. I don't know if they've ever seen her in public. The same as Jack Ma. You know, Jack, Jack Ma is the CEO of Alibaba. Is he gone? Well, he was gone for many months, and then he came back and like he looks a little shell shocked. I mean, wow. I don't know what the fuck they did to him. They kept him in a cage. What, what, you know, whether they tortured him, whether they just scared the fuck out of him, whether they put him in exile and just made an, him have a, an adjustment of his attitude. But they don't play games. It's and a completely so different is, kind of government. Is the expectation that – wouldn't you think that corruption would lead to – you know, like we started this conversation about ego, yeah, and you're managing the wouldn't uh, the Chinese leadership corruption? We, you know, it's human beings. You would think so, but I don't know if it's corruption in, in their sense, because they seem to have this dedication to the CCP, right? And the CCP kind of runs everything. And I don't know if you would call it corruption if they're intertwined. Like the way they think of business is like business and government, that the the business God, serves they did government. They it quick too. Yeah, they did it really quick. And then not only that, they're doing it in all these other countries where they're giving them loans that they know they can never take back or they never pay back rather, and then they control these natural resources. Well, and also aren't they doing, hey, we're going to build you this power plant. They're yes. like, great. Exactly. We're going to bring in 500,000 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so- but wouldn't corruption again? People get greedy. People, when people get greedy, they kill them. 
They they don't have a system like Nancy have Pelosi would be this? dead as fuck if she was over there. Have they they would have killed her a long time ago. Have you? Um, but like, I mean, unless she was serving the big businesses and serving the the Chinese Communist Party, unless she, she was, if she was a part of their system over there, and she sort of exhibited the kind of arrogance that you've seen her exhibit as a you know a, a, a person who's the Speaker of the House in America. It's like a, it's a different world over there. Like when they have a dedication to the Chinese Communist Party, that's what their dedication is. Well, and is it that bad about or, it. you know, some people believe that like it's revenge for the opium wars. What is revenge for the opium wars? That the, uh, the Chinese, you know what the, the British did with the opium wars. The, the British essentially went in. They tried to take over China. China was like, no, thanks. And the British were like, okay. Here's some free opium and pull that up. It's like, it's a dark history. How it long is, ago did they do that? That was, um, I mean, it's 1600s. like- 1600s. The yeah. opium wars were two conflicts fought in China in the mid 19th century between the Western countries of the, how do you say that word? I can't even know where. Q-I-N-G dynasty? Qing. Qing uh, dynasty. Which, right, Jing, maybe, which ruled China from 1644 to 1911, 1912. Essentially, how I understand it is these European powers were trying to take over China mm. and there was some resistance. So what they did is they essentially got them all addicted to opium Whoa. and they lost a generation or two. Ooh. And so uh, that's... Uh, you know, it's the fentanyl kind of creeping in. Mm. It's a very paranoid thing, but like that's some revenge. So, I mean, this well, great even if it's power, not revenge, it seems like a good strategy for corrupting well, a population. Yeah. It's also, you know, if you have this great power that had to, um, you know, I mean, what a cruel thing to do. I mean, slavery is insane. It's just like, a strategy for war, though. Is it more cruel to drop a nuclear bomb on people? At least with opium, you give them the ability to make a decision for themselves. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's probably what they're doing with us with TikTok. TikTok? You think that? Yeah, they've released TikTok. It's like a plague. I wonder. All these fucking kids are just... Are your kids TikToking at all? Oh, yeah. Mind yeah. you. They added it to Tesla's. TikTok? It's built into Tesla now. Oh, Elon. TikTok? What have you done, Elon? I've defended you up until now. <laughs> I don't I don't play games on my fucking Tesla. I just drive it. So there's TikTok in Tesla? You I guess chess. if you don't have to drive, yeah, right? Well, chess is yeah, in Tesla, like too. How about talk part. about the good things? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog's in there. <laughs> you, can, you can make a fart when you make a turn. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is going to happen with... Uh, is, is Tesla going to take over like is in 10 years is is uh elon musk going to be in business or is he going to be good question i mean i think tesla's going to be in business in 10 years i mean it's the biggest car manufacturer in the united states right now right isn't it i don't know i, think I mean i know it's worth more i think it's they manufacture more and sell more teslas than any other american brand see if that's true is it true? No. No. What's that? Pretty sure Ford F one fifty is the top. Ford F one fifty was the top selling car. So like million. Well, let's find out. Don't just guess. Well, Don't just guess. But, but as a company, I think 
Tesla, the company, sells more cars than any other American car manufacturer. I'm pretty sure of that. Or I read an l- article that was a lie. That could be happening. Could be propaganda. Do you have a Tesla? I don't. You ever driven one? I've been in one. They're pretty spectacular. Uh, they're, they're next Goddamn level. Goddamn spaceship. Spaceship. Yeah, yeah, for the last three years, they've averaged 900,000 per year for F-150s. I don't think they sell that many Teslas. Well, why don't you Google it instead of thinking? I mean, you know, the F-150 is fascinating. <laughs> I had jokes about <laughs> uh, the pickup truck. Like when we were kids, pickup trucks were kind of popular, but now it is yeah. the embodiment of one's personality, right? Okay. Q3, they just sold their, or just made their two millionth car. Whoa. But I believe that's for all of their, you know, They sold two million line. electric cars They're expensive. Ever. First automaker to reach two million? What does that say? Click on that, inside EVs. Is that electric cars? First automaker to reach the milestone. Soon the production sales volume will reach one million per year. So they sell more, man. Thank you. That's not. That's so glad I was right. Okay, sure. Am I wrong? (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) That's one. That's Tesla versus one Ford car. Yeah. Right. Right. The F one fifty sells. How much does the F one fifty sell? Nine hundred thousand per year. Right, but you know that um, Ford is actually they're going to stop production of almost everything except the F one fifty and the Mustang, which is pretty crazy. I was just was saying. I'd... Yeah. No, but like the but like the F one fifty and the Mustang together is more than Tesla. I wonder. And then if you add in um, Ford Escorts, you know, and then there's so Cadillac that two million milestone. And... They're the first company that sells two million electric cars. So that's the the milestone is that they're the first right. company to sell that many electric cars. So like every year. By the, the way, there's no cars available to buy, right? Oh, it's nuts. That's crazy. The chip shortage thing is fucking spooky, because like you guys didn't see that coming. You just thought you could just buy chips from China and they would be cool, just selling them to you. When because you guys talk a lot of shit about dumb. China. 2020, the amount of autos and light trucks sold in the U.S. dipped to around 14.5 million for units. All cars. Right, of course, all all companies, Ford yeah. Motor Company's vehicles in the U.S. between 2015 to well, it doesn't say it doesn't say, but like the oh, it does right there. there you go. 599,000 units to that, around 539,000 well, units. Yeah, so that's counter to the 900,000 I saw. Yeah, who knows? Um. Why don't you Google Google when says, China's going to invade Taiwan? Who sells Taiwan. the most cars? I predict that China. Million. Oh, because you know China's going to take over Taiwan. When's that going to happen? It seems like it's already happening, and it seems like well, they they quietly took over Hong Kong during the pandemic, where they locked down all freedom of the press, and they started uh, arresting activists, and they started doing things that no one protested about, and they just go, oh, okay, we're going to keep you know, doing. I this. love performing in China, so I don't want to. Do you? Too late. The, yeah. Go over there right now, brother. Tap your phone. You're going to be in trouble. After it's you do this podcast, culturally. Um, but I think my you do prediction, stand up over there. Yeah, what's it like? Well, I'm performing for expats, but there are you know, or people that have lived in the U.S. and have gone back there. But I would say that my prediction is after the uh, the Beijing Winter Olympics, that's when China's going to be like, all right, we're going to take we're going to take Taiwan. You think so? Well. I thought that Russia and, and uh, this is all just, you know, by the way, I talk about food in my act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it's also Putin is, the wants Ukraine. Ukraine. 
Yeah. By the way, I performed in Moscow. There's a a, a subway station in Moscow. The, the subway stations in Moscow are so beautiful. And um, because they wanted to celebrate the working people, so like the subway stations are really nice. And one of the subway stations is all Ukraine. Hmm. It's like, so like when we say Russia giving up um, the uh, independence, it's like, it's it's kind of messy. You know, mm. Crimea historically, there's a lot of- um, Would it be like if Texas tried to secede? Um, oh, that's their subway station? Yeah. Wow, it's that's no fucking beautiful. And so like there is a one that is all dedicated to uh, Ukraine. They have or, such specific architecture, right? Like if you look at, at Moscow and yeah. you look at the, the architecture, it's so clear that yeah. it's Russian architecture. Well, there's, you know, a lot of it was destroyed, I think. I mean, by the way, I've, I like performing in Warsaw, so weird. Yeah. Like Warsaw was completely leveled and they rebuilt it from photographs. So you're like, whoa! You're walking through, and you're like, oh, look, this church, Poland, so fascinating. Like, there's different museums in Warsaw, and it's like, what do you want to cry about? Because it's like, there's one that's all about the Polish Jews. Like, at the start of World War II, one in six Polish citizens was Jewish. It's like you're like one in six, and now there's like. 2000 whoa and there was like 30 million people and one in six was jewish wow. and so i mean i'm getting all the numbers wrong but and then there's just like jesus this. christ look at yes. that so warsaw was like there's a story of like when the rush when the polish rose up in warsaw to take down the nazis the russians were on the other side of the river and they said, they, they're like, hey, come on in, help us. We're, we're fighting the Germans. And the Russians were like, we'll wait. And so they let the Polish fight the Germans. The Polish finally took over. Then the Russians came in, took over the Polish. Like the Polish Ooh. history is insane. Oh. Like just Look devastating. Look how flattened that place was. And, and when, the, when the Germans left, they leveled everything. Like they knew they were going to lose, they just, just to screw over the Poles, and it's like the Polish people have been dealing with this for generations. And this is, you know, within the last hundred years yes. or so. That's what's fucked about history. It's like that's a blip. It's crazy. It's a tiny blip. It's crazy. One of the things in Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, um, and again, this is in the twelve hundreds, right, when Genghis yeah. Khan was alive. He talked about the Khorizmian Shah who went to visit Jin China because they were trying to see, like, you know, should we invade these people? They have anything to steal? Yeah. What what are we going to do over there? Yeah. And as they went down the path, they thought what they saw in the distance was a snow-covered mountain. And as they got closer, they realized it was a stack of bones that was so high. There was a million dead people stacked on top of each other. They had abandoned the roads because the roads were so filled with decaying human bodies that the roads had deteriorated into mud and you couldn't- you Where couldn't, is this? The, this was in Jin, China. You couldn't traverse the roads. 
You couldn't make it through. And the st- people were dying just from sickness, from the stench of the rotting bodies and the bacteria that was in the air. But the fact that there were so many dead bodies that they mistook a pile of them as a mountain with snow-covered peaks. And then as they got closer, they realized, oh, my God, that's a stack of bodies. Ugh. Over a million dead people. Unbelievable. Just stacked on top of each well, other. And they did that, that with fucking bows and arrows and swords. Well, by the way, it's like Caesar killed millions. Caesar, who everyone's like, Caesar, I love going to- Little hey. Caesars. It's a nice <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> no, it's like <laughs> SPQR. I love yeah. that. It's like murdered tons yeah. of people. Yeah. He has this whole uh, series on, um, I think it was all about Caesar's Holocaust or whatever. Because he killed millions of Gauls. Meanwhile, he's got a salad. Yeah. Imagine if there was a a Hitler salad. Yes. Well, you know, the the Caesar salad invented in Tijuana. Really? There was an Italian. I actually ate at the restaurant. There's an Italian. uh, There was a, um, I think it's a Mexican guy. Tijuana salad invented in. Uh, t- uh, a Mexican guy in Tijuana who invented it's a famous restaurant and a hotel in Tijuana. That's interesting. Well, the fact they figured out to put anchovies on it. Yeah. Such a bold move. Yeah. It's so delicious. So good. So good. So good. <laughs> right? And it's probably so bad for you, right? I don't know. I am a gigantic fan of Mexican food. Period. Oh, my gosh. I fucking love Mexican food. Why is, like, American food's okay? But like Mexican food is, it's life changing. Spice, there's a lot of spice. Like a, a good carne asada burrito. Oh my god, with guacamole and oh, and the it's so diced fa- onions. There's uh, different. There's different peppers in yes. different regions. Yes, so fascinating. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm a giant. I'm so proud to be Mexican. <laughs> I. Uh, How funny is the Louis C.K.'s Mexican? Oh, it's amazing. Like legitimately born yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. Well, you know, like the whole. I mean, Mexico has a pretty sordid history, too. Crazy history. Like, they had, there There was like, you know, you know what we did to the Native Americans, they did to their Native people. They did them dirty, too. Well, what we need to recognize also is, like, how did they come to speak Spanish in the first place? They came to speak Spanish in the first place because of European settlers came by and just destroyed their fucking country. And the only reason they could do that is European diseases. Yes. That's I mean, the they were solution get to the end of the Mayan Empire. Kicked. Yeah. They were going to get their ass kicked and people just started getting the cold. But there was also some real confusion. Like when Cortez and his people showed up on, on horses, yeah. they thought they were gods. Yeah. They're like, what are these fucking riding a horse this is crazy yeah like they that's what's really wild like the mayans didn't ride horses like they had built that kind of an empire without riding horses and well it's like but also like i mean from mexico we got tomatoes corn uh and then there's some third thing oh chocolate it's like it's insane like everything that the reason i'm fat <laughs> it comes from Mexico. <laughs> I wonder if like the old corn, like the kind of corn you, you hang on your your door for Thanksgiving, yeah. that yeah. bullshit corn. I wonder if that's like better for you. Have you ever oh, had I'm that sure corn? I'm sure it is. I, you know, in, by the way, like in 
I did a show in Bogota. And Damn, you travel everywhere. I love, I love internet. Well, I did this pale tourist special where I was going to do Latin America and I uh, was in r- right when the pandemic hit. But the vegetables, like have you seen corn in South America? No. It is like a kernel is like the size of this. Really? One, I'm exaggerating. But if we pull some of the the images up of, you know how like have you ever been to a country and you're like, like we're kind of used to it. Like growing up, I didn't know what hummus was, but like you go to certain countries and you're like, oh, this fruit. Like there's fruit that right. we don't know of. Oh yeah, and like in South durian. Th- yeah, there's like which is disgusting. <laughs> it smells like yeah, but like yeah, but like there's some kernels. Colombian corn that looks like regular corn. No, but look at the size of those kernels. They're pretty fat. Right? Yeah. But I would think that American cur- corn would be fatter because of genetical genetic modifications, right? But I think it's that also- pretty fat. I think it's- I would imagine that it's Damn. the speed- That's impressive. It's probably the speed of growing that we're after. Right. And we probably want to get to the point right away and then we get like quick growing- Do you know why carrots are orange? Keratin? No, carrots are not originally orange. They were changed to orange to honor the king of the Netherlands, William of Orange. Really? Yes. William of Orange? Yes. How the fuck did they do that? I don't know. Because they... I've had carrots By the way, before Brussels were sprouts like... were invented in Brussels. They were invented? Yes. Somebody invented Brussels sprouts? I think, I think there's... Um, this is where I'm like complete. These are all things that are in my head that I think are true. <laughs> the Brussels sprouts, um, but like thing the is carrots. Look up carrots. You know, how you get carrots, that? and you're like, oh, purple carrot. I yeah. think they all used to be purple. Really? Yeah. D- d- is yeah. this true? Uh, yes. But I don't see Some the reasoning white, for it being as like a present or a, an homage to anyone. I've had white carrots. But it does before. say something. 16th century Dutch carrots being purple. A tribute to the emblem of the House of Orange. Yes. And the struggle for Dutch independence. I wonder go. how they did it. Like, how do you, I mean, if you either have orange carrots or you don't. Well, you how know. How do you make them orange? Every farmer collects seeds, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, this crop grew really well. This is a stronger seed. I'm going to plant this seed rather than these didn't do that well. I'm not going right. to save these seeds. Right. So I think- Carrot bonus facts. Oh, here we go. It's actually possible to turn your skin a shade of orange by massively overconsuming ar- orange carrots. I know that, and he Dick did that. I watched it happen. Orange carrots get their bright orange color from beta carotene. Beta carotene metabolizes in the human gut and bile salts into vitamin A. The origins of the cultivated carrot is rooted in the purple carrot in the region uh, around modern-day Afghanistan. Wow. The purple carrot comes from fucking Afghanistan? While cultivation of the garden-style orange carrot lapses for a few generations, the carrots revert back to their ancestral carrot types, which are very different from the current garden variety. In ancient times, the root part of the carrot plant we eat today was not typically used. Wow. The carrot plant, however, was highly valued due to the medicinal value of its seeds and leaves. For instance, how do you say that guy? Mithridates, the, the sixth, 
king of Pontinus. Pontius. 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 Oh, Pontius. Around 100 BC, had a recipe for counteracting certain poisons with the principal ingredient being carrot seeds. It has since been proven that this concoction actually works. Huh. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it says they had white ones and yellow ones, too. The Romans believed that uh, carrots were aphrodisiacs. Yeah. Wow. Imagine it's... if you can go back with a bucket of Viagra to Rome <laughs> and go, boys, <laughs> I'm here to make money. I mean, like, all right, so if you could go back to any time period, like, yes. would you go to Rome? No, I would go to ancient Egypt. I would go to the, during the time of the oh, construction good. of the pyramids. I'd be like, what was that like? Like, how did they do that? By the way, so there's pyramids in Egypt. There's pyramids in Central and South America. Yeah. These two human species, I mean, these two human beings, two groups of human beings, both decided to do it? Wow. Yeah, very different, though. Different in terms of uh, style, but also similar in terms of the the way they um, laid out their their villages and their, their, their cities to coincide or to match up with constellations. Really interesting. There were so many of them were sky watchers, you know, whether it's the ancient right. Egyptians, the ancient Mayans, the Aztecs. Wow. Yeah. What's really nuts, man, is that there was thriving civilizations in the Amazon and that they believed that they were wiped out by European diseases and that this was not really known until the invention of LIDAR. And as there, there was, it was very, it was speculated and it was the uh, premise from the movie, The Lost City of Z. But over time with the advent of this new technology, which is, um, it's like a, a light emitting radar type deal. Um, this thing called LIDAR that allows them to non-invasively scan the, the, the ground and with this penetrating uh, technology, they can see trenches that were indicative of irrigation systems, grids that were there for cities, all swallowed up by the jungle because the, the people there died because European settlers brought in smallpox. Wow. So this, all this stuff. So wow. they find these, oh, this is another one, the Guatemalan jungle. They, they think, okay, this is one of the ancient cities that was home to millions more people than previously thought. Vast interconnected network of ancient cities. And these cities that were there were talked about by the initial European settlers, the, or not even settlers, rather, explorers. Yeah. They went to these areas and they talked about these incredible golden palaces and these uh, amazing you know, gilded chest plates and helmets these people wore. Then they came back, like a new group of people came back 50 years later and it was all gone. Everyone was dead. Not only that, the, the jungle had overcome all of the cities. And so they're like, oh, these guys were lying. And so the second group, the second wow. wave of European explorers thought the first group were just full of shit. And wow. they, they kept this idea until fairly recently. I'm going to blow your mind even further. Yeah. The plants that are there, they're man-planted. The, that's a, the, the rainforest, like the Amazon rainforest is a result of agriculture. Wait a minute. So that was someone planted those? Yes. Yes. The Amazon rainforest is a re result See, of human insane. intervention. The Amazon rainforest yeah. was planted. 
Well, not necessarily planted as much as the original oh. plants were invasive and they overwhelmed all the oh, other plants. Here wow. it is. Supposedly pristine, untouched Amazon rainforest was actually shaped by humans. Over thousands of years, native people played a strong role in molding the ecology of this vast wilderness. Not only did they do that, but they did that with a specific technology in creating a compost that we, to this day, do not understand the process of so a that special they used. compost. They had a very special compost that created this dark, very rich earth that was uh, made with controlled burns and the introduction of some composted material and uh, you know like some uh, b you know biological material whether it's food or decayed animals or whatever right, the fuck right, it is right. but the bacteria from this was incredibly rich and allowed them to have this amazingly fertile ground that oh, they're wow. losing when they're doing these mass burns and they're doing these like they're ex defoliating these areas for like cattle ranches and they're fucking up the rainforest in the process of doing this. So uh, based on that, then the oxygen output that the Amazon provides was not there at one point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean... There were less humans. Way less humans. Yeah. I mean, you got to imagine there's, you know, a few million people that were living down there, but is nothing like, you know, the 20 plus million that live in Los Angeles or Mexico City, which is enormous, or some of these other cities. But that whole rainforest area where we think of as like, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. No, that was, they were planting a bunch of these like really prolific plants that they used for agricultural purposes. Now, wouldn't and they took that over. lead us to believe that we could therefore reverse global warming? If we could do something like that, take it from me. Again, I tell food jokes yeah. for a living. There's but people that believe that. There's people that also believe that one of the things about carbon dioxide is that you know carbon dioxide, which is obviously what human beings exhale and plants inhale, yeah. and then they produce oxygen. With the excess carbon in our environment, there's actually more greenery today than there was 100 years ago. Really? Yeah, I know. What the fuck? It's very complicated. And I think one of the reasons why people don't like talking about it because they don't want to exonerate human beings from the disastrous impact of our carbon output on on the earth itself and our and not just carbon but particulates and all the pollution. But make sure that's true. But I'm pretty sure that's true because that was actually told to me by a legitimate scientist who was explaining how the one benefit of the increase in carbon is that there's actually an increase in the amount of green plants that exists today because of that, because they, they literally exist off of carbon, of wow. carbon dioxide. Wow. Yeah, there's, it's hard because you, you want to say, like, oh, you know, maybe we can fix global warming by this. Like, look at this. Higher concentrations of carbon dioxide make plants more productive because photosynthesis relies on using the sun's energy to synthesize sugar out of carbon dioxide and water. Plants and ecosystems use the sugar as both an energy source and as the basic building block for growth. Yes, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere helps plants. So global land photosynthesis changes in its causes. So if you look at the year 2000, look at the, when they go back to the year 1000, like look at that chart. Look how oh, few wow. how few plants there were. Now look at 2000. Look how much more green there is. Carbon dioxide fertilization, increased leaf area and growing season change. It's pretty wild. Like there's more greenery today. 
And the re- but the real mind fuck is knowing that the Amazon rainforest is the result of human agriculture. That's insane. Yeah, it's um. There's like um. What are the plants? They're the weird plants. One of them is like the ice cream bean. One of them is um. There's a bunch of different really odd plants that are the result of this extreme uh, foliation. How about in Sapiens? How like farming really is like ended up being a real problem for humans. Like yeah. we could finally feed everyone, but the problem is is we started eating crap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's where people are like, we'll just eat grain. Tons think, of grain. Yeah, I know. I think education is really the problem more than it is farming. Because if it wasn't for farming, you'd never have cities. You know, like there's no way you're gonna have something like Manhattan without farming. It doesn't exist. It's not possible. They're not growing anything there. Like no one's no no one's self sustaining. No one has like a lot. How about in the their fact backyard. that the Romans fed themselves with food that was grown in Egypt? That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. The Romans, all the grain in Egypt, it's insane. How far is that? It seems pretty far. Well, they did get one of those obelisks from ancient Egypt and it's in the centerpiece of uh, of of one of the the main places in the Vatican. Have you ever you been to the Vatican? Yeah, yeah. You ever seen the obelisk? No. That's from yeah, uh, maybe I saw it. They have one of them in Central Park too. Really? Yeah, well there's an Egyptian obelisk in in Central Park in Manhattan. There's one in the museum of is it the Met? They have a whole room in the math that like is insane. Where would you go if you if you had a time machine? If you could go back to one point in human history, I would love to meet uh, uh, my ancestor who came, uh, uh, one of them that came over from Ireland. Mm. That would be cool. I bet they're like, savages. You I think so? Oh, they must have been wild fucking people willing to get in a boat and take your kids. Across a fucking ocean with not even a YouTube video to watch. Yeah, they they, uh, they just had a, a a dream that that was going to be better uh, for you them. You should do one of those finding your roots things. Have you done that? Like, like a twenty three and Me? Yeah. Uh, no. Well, they oh. they have uh, oh, Doctor like Lewis Gates. Oh. And so, my last name is Gaffigan, but like the real name was Gavahan. Huh. And they changed it. Like, there's this belief that oh, everyone changed their name. The the German. Uh, people that worked at uh, these immigration places changed their names, and no, because they signed the logs back in Ireland, so they gave the name of Gaffigan. Here's another interesting fact: uh, in, in in at the start of World War One or World War Two, more Americans spoke German than English. Really, I think that's true. Look that up. See if that's true. That's More, wild. So, like, you know, like St. Patrick's Day, da, da, da. There is, like, America is very German. Like, St. Louis, Cincinnati, all German. Mm. And uh, German and French. But, like, there was a time when, like, the percentage of people that spoke German in the U.S. was... Now we're going to find out it was like 38%. But that's, that's still, still crazy. insane. That's insane. Well, what is the, the primary second language in America today is Spanish, right? Yes. What do you think the population, what the percentage of the population that speaks Spanish is? 20% maybe? 
Well, I think that Hispanics are at least 20, 25 percent. Right, right, but how many of them are fluent in Spanish? Because I have friends that are Mexican that, yeah, yeah. that don't speak Spanish. Well, I think that's the the American story is that the first generation wants to become American, so they kind right. of don't embrace it. And then generations after that try and kind yeah. of rediscover it. Yeah. So I don't know. So let's find out what the, the German, what's the percentage yeah. that spoke German at the turn of the century? I'm going to say, based on your story alone and no research, 42%. I mean, it would be amazing if, uh, you know, it's like, again- 25% is amazing. It's insane. Like, it's one of those things. So, Matt, Madison Square Garden, there was a pro-Nazi rally. I saw that. It's insane. That's insane. That was in, like, the 30s, right? Yeah. Wasn't it? That was in 1939. Yeah, there was a big movement. Wild. The pictures of it are pretty crazy. It's wild. just look at that. What I the perform fuck? there. You perform there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Look at that fucking it, image. Just to get that other point, I was seeing it was the number two language in 1917, but I was trying to dig through a bunch of stuff. There was some laws that were being passed to stop education in any other language other than English around yeah. that time period too. What do they say I as mean, far as uh, what percentage? Of did, I, so I, was, I was trying to find an actual I statistic. Think, I was get, I wasn't getting the right information. I was trying to go too quick. Yeah, you got nicotine gum, Jim. That's Gaffin. my nicotine gum. God damn, my that friend. Nicotine, man, it gets you, doesn't it? What? What is? What's your nicotine? Yeah, uh, cigars. Cigars. Like cigars. Yeah. Did you ever dip? No, I swallowed I it once. I dipped. <laughs> I've, I've dipped before. Dip gives you a wild rush, though. I'll tell you that. What is this, Jamie? Uh, I had. It said during uh, World War One. World War One, U.S. government propaganda erased German culture. Yeah, no, they re they changed the names of all the streets. Nineteen ten, St. Louis. Eight million first and second generations out of ninety two million counted in the population of ninety two. So yeah, so that's how many. That's a lot. In their first language, that's ten yeah. percent. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 somewhere up there. So during the 1850s, 900,000, almost a million Germans went to the United States. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot back then. That's the time when the German population was only 40 million. So, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I knew there was a lot of newspapers that were written in German yeah. back then, but I didn't know it's about kind of stunning being spoken. When you see how little England is. Yeah, you know that. I mean, it makes sense what you're talking about with pirates. That like they had to be the most horrific monsters <laughs> to, to try to control the empire. Well, it's also insane. By the way, so I did this special in um, Spain. So I, 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 and I love history. So, do you know what year they finally unified Spain, where they got rid of the Moors, and they finally, the Castilians, kind of pieced together what we consider modern-day Spain. Do you know what year they did that? No. 1492. Oh. The year that Columbus... So they literally finally kicked the Moors out. By the way, we're really... <laughs> they were really not nice. <laughs> the Moors are evil people. Well, no, no. They were not nice to the Moors or the Jews. Like, they got... That was, the, the Moors, though, they were conquerors themselves. They were too, conquerors, right? but yeah. like they, but everybody was back but then. But like right? the the, I mean, uh, I performed in Morocco. It's like amazing to think that like, 
you know, we, we think of the colonizers as these Europeans, but the Arabs were colonizers too. Mm-hmm. They sure. colonized Morocco. Mm-hmm. So like there's the Berbers in, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, that, so the Moroccans that were in Spain were part of, you know, when Muhammad and all these guys rose up, the great Arab power was they took over and they got all all the way into Spain and stuff like that. But it's insane to think that, I mean, this was a joke that I had when I went to Spain. Like Spain took all the gold, all the gold from Central and South America, all of it. So like there wasn't really that much gold in North America. There was gold in Central and South America and Spain took it all and they spent it. And so one of my jokes when I was in Spain, I'm like, where's the gold? Where is it? (laughs) You guys, like they literally, like one of the things they did is they built a navy and they got their ass kicked by the British. You know, so it's, it's really fascinating to see what, how quick these empires come and how quick they disappear. Yeah, and that's the strange thing about where we are today is that we want to think that the United States is going to be around forever. And that, you know, the power and influence we enjoy over the rest of the world will oh, continue yeah. this way. And there's no way we'd ever live under the thumb of a ruthless dictator like they did, you know, back in the day and in this part of the world or that part of the world. Like, that's been the standard way that human beings have governed forever. Yeah, the Romans were like, we're good. No yeah. one's going to take over. Yeah. yeah, come on, we got it. Yeah. The Greeks, the same way. I mean, they started with democracy. Yeah, right? and it all fucking fell apart. I mean, the Romans were like so confident. They're like, you know, Constantine's like, you know what? I don't even want to do Rome anymore. Let's go over to what's present day Istanbul. Like he switched the capital of Rome. That's insane. <laughs> it's it's kind of like if a president was like, you know what? I think our capital should now be in. Uh, Let's now put it in Vancouver. Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> like in a different country. Right. It's this wild. Roman Empire, it was named after a city, Rome, and he moved it to, a, you know, essentially Asia. <laughs> it's like insane. Why did he go there? I think that that, I think that, I think that was, that was modern, maybe? I really? don't know. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I, Dan Carlin would know. Yeah, he'd be the guy to ask. How does that guy know so much? He's just consuming books. Yeah, well, he works so hard on his show. To call his show a podcast and to call this a podcast is really kind of hilarious. Because this is like, we did zero preparation. I haven't seen you in two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talk like through text messages yeah. only. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there talking. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. And we've no. been talking for hours. Dan Carlin, when he does a two-hour podcast, he will research that for months, months and months. Like, well, he'll do a thing like The Wrath of the Khan, which is a spectacular five-piece series on Genghis Khan. When he did that, it took like six months to prepare. Wow. Yeah. And then he puts them out, and you can get them for a dollar. They cost a dollar each. And it is like literally some of the most spectacular historical entertainment you'll ever get in your life. It's it's, educational. There's there's an enthusiasm to how he does it, too. He's amazing. He's an amazing, and he's so humble, too. He always says he's not a historian. Like, bitch, you're a fucking historian. Yeah, he always says that. Yeah, stop saying that. (laughs) 
He's have you met him? I haven't met him. He's a great guy too. He's been on the podcast a couple times. And so what is so the length of his podcasts are astronomical yes. too. Yeah. They're like four hours. Poor part yeah. one yeah. of Caesar Conquers the World. And you're like, <laughs> what? He's I like know. let me quote from this book yeah. that I read. I'm like, dude, I haven't how do you, like reading this dense information he goes sophocles wrote this thing and you're like how do you know that yeah he and he covers so many different topics he had a great piece on martin luther and the invention of lutherism and um the uh time in history where making a version of the bible that was uh, phonetically readable that people could understand like a phonetic interpretation of the bible where you could say the word like that didn't exist like they they all read the bible in latin and if you didn't understand latin you were most people didn't read right you were at the whim of the priests and martin luther came along and said actually what god said like you should probably interpret it yourself and not leave it to these people and like they came real close to killing him a few times for that it is amazing how consistently uh, the messages and the teachings of Jesus are like like humans can't grasp it. Like they're like way off. Like oh, we're supposed to take care of the poor. We're supposed to help the needy. We're supposed to do all this. And people are like, does that mean I should get another car? Like we don't. <laughs> we don't even come close. I'm gonna get a Jesus tattoo. <laughs> do, do you? I mean, like we don't. Yeah. And I'm talking about people that. Uh, you know, embrace the Christian faith. Yes. Like, get it wrong. I'm not talking about people like, I don't believe in that stuff. Right. People who proclaim to be Christian. Again, humans are pretty dumb. Well, collectively, we're pretty brilliant. Well, what we're capable of collectively, I mean, we're both carrying around a small glass and metal device that sends video through the sky to people that live on the other side of the planet. Yeah. And we use it, we have no idea how it works. No, no idea. I mean, I kind of roughly can tell you what they've done, but I don't, I mean, I can't recreate it. If you're alone on an island with a million years with all the tools in the world, you'd never be able to figure out how to make a phone. People, like if someone came up to me right now, they're like, can you fix this toaster? I'd be like, (laughs) sorry, I can't. So imagine, like collectively, we're brilliant. Individually, we vary so wildly that some of us, like myself, are basically chimps with a good vocabulary, and some people are like Elon Musk who figure out how to drill tunnels under the earth to fucking shoot traffic. Oh, by the way, did you see that that fell apart in Vegas? What, what did it a, fall? A traffic jam in the tunnel. Yeah, I just saw that there was um, <laughs> some negative article on it. Well, they were saying there's a traffic jam, but it's essentially the traffic was at the exit of the tunnel. Like, you couldn't just get out of the tunnel real quick. You had to wait to get out of the tunnel. Which is not good. No, the whole point is to not wait, you know? And for claustrophobic people, it would be Oh, my God. Imagine if you're problem. in the middle of the tunnel. And so imagine it was one of those a cars test or people, there are people using a tunnel right now. That's a now. good question. I don't know. There was a newscast. There was some, some news program that was doing this whole thing about the tunnels in Vegas. I believe there would be, yeah, it was uh, for CES. So, like, it's underneath uh, the convention center in Vegas, and that's where CES was. So, well, occasionally they have burst into flames, right? Uh, Tesla? Yeah. 
I think there's they show at least a video of one in that compilation yes. of it. So like I, I don't know what the hell happened there, but yeah. But here's what could be an extra. Here's you know, and like there was the movie Tucker and stuff like that. Like the first time you were in a Tesla, were you kind of like, what are the other car manufacturers? It's not like we've got windshield wipers that work better. They're like everything is better. Well, the first time I was in one was uh, there was an app where you could rent a car from the app and they would deliver it to you, sort of like uh, Uber Eats or something like that. Yeah. They'd deliver a car for you and you drive the car around and you tell them where it is when you're done and then they would come and get it. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this was like early on in the podcast. I want to say this is like 2012-ish or something yeah. like that and uh, they were one of our sponsors. So I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. And I drove it around, but back then the battery technology the, the the efficiency was not that good right. like i drove to the comedy store and back and i had half the battery life i was like what yeah like this is crazy and i didn't have a charger because it was at the studio so i was like this is this seems like a little i don't want to be somewhere where it runs out of batteries yeah then years later elon did the podcast and he talked me into buying one he's like it's the best car you gotta buy it I go, okay <laughs> i buy it i buy it i buy it and i bought it i was like holy fuck it is the best car because by then they had really perfected it. It's like this is how like, long does the battery last? Mine is. Uh, I got the new one, and I think if you fully charge it, it hits somewhere around three hundred fifty miles. See what it, see what a um, Model S Plaid can do. Also, I keep it in ludicrous mode because I'm reckless. What's ludicrous mode? The fastest it can drive. Like oh, there's yeah. different modes, and some modes allow you to preserve. Is that ludicrous? Life. The the singer? It's not. Okay, that would yeah. be great. If you hit the gas, it goes, oh, oh. <laughs> i got a big weed. Charge time or? Uh, no, how long is the uh, total mileage? How long can it go for? What's uh, the range? What's the range? So you need In to. In ludicrous mode or not? The, like, no, no, regular. So like, oh. what's the so range? The, you need to have a charger at home. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, what is the so range? So you have to be rich enough to have a home. Yes, you have to have a home. Or you can go to a charge station. 348 miles. Okay. Oh, 80% of it's... Okay, that's it. So it traveled 280 miles. And how long does it take to charge? Um, is it like overnight? No, four hours, I think. What is like... You have a S. Yeah, the 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 slower one, not the supercharger, would take if you were on the empty... Yeah. It, it fills up like of the first half of it faster, and then as you get oh, like really? fuller, it starts going a little slower. Uh, but if you had a supercharger, you can get it done in a half an hour, forty-five minutes, I think. Especially as it's getting faster and faster. It's, it's funny. It That's like something half. a kid would say. You know, if you get supercharger, well, they have. Right. It's called a supercharger. Supercharger. <laughs> you have to go My to a location. My dad's got a supercharger. Yeah, it sounds. Fake. That's not the technical term. No, it's a supercharger. It's super duper. Super duper. But they haven't added the extra. Uh, Remember when Reggie was in here, he's explaining the Porsche has a bigger bandwidth pipeline. Right. And I don't think they have that yet, but that should let it charge the, almost the whole thing in half an hour, I think, if not faster. Right. That's uh, a different setup that, that hasn't been yeah. totally implemented yet. So they have a Tesla has the best network of charging stations. Like you could go across the country and the, the car will tell you where the chargers are. And then you can go to that charger. Now, is Elon one of these guys that's like, he's like, uh, I have this idea. And because there's a lot of brilliant people, right? Yeah. Um, but he also has to have the ability to get it done. Look, a lot of people, like a lot of the things you're doing, 
it's not just about having the idea. It's about saying, okay, I want you to do this, you to do this. Yes. He has that management skill too, right? He definitely does. He, he also works so hard that right. he leads by example. I mean, the guy works fucking 16 hours a day. I mean, he's like constantly working. So he's constantly doing things. Wow. So he's just, and, and it also he's got great time management in terms of his ability to concentrate on SpaceX for a little bit, Tesla for a little bit. And then, you know, this isn't that fascinating. He has a space program that he does on the side. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I just, you know, like the amount of articles that I want to read <laughs> about the NFL playoffs is stressing me out. <laughs> but he is <laughs> like, you imagine being that smart. We're like, I mean, it's it's odd. It's amazing. It's I'm, I'm friends with him, and I, you know, hung out with him a bunch of times and talked to him. He's uh, he's so much smarter than me. It's confusing. Well, he's. I mean, I think that like a lot of people are in that position with him, right? Oh yeah, most people are in that position with him. Yeah, and uh, especially when you look at the the width of his knowledge, right? It's not a, a narrow pipeline. Like he's concentrating on you know just semiconductor chips or just this just that he's doing multiple different and so like complex the, the tubes projects. underneath the ground yeah <laughs> which like i just it sounds like a comedy bit it's it like, does maybe one day it'll be legit like maybe it's like the battery of the tesla the first one that i got 10 plus years ago like, which is it's just like subway a road for cars but, but right? you're trapped in there in your car and it's the 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 belt is moving right i don't know what's moving uh, it looked to me like the car was driving. That looks like a car is driving to me. See, here's the jam. But look, it looks it looks like the opening is. How far is the opening up there? Does it go all the way? So is this a prototype? Like he's like built it underneath. See, but this is not a small. It's a small traffic jam because look how quickly They're everybody's moving. going out. But also, this is the end of this long ass tunnel, and it looks like everybody's. So you can see, if you look ahead, the opening. See, so I would think they wouldn't want hole. people driving because people would get drunk and drive into the wall. Well, you can let the car drive itself, so you don't even, like, do anything. Like, it has auto driving. So, yeah, this is the end of the line. It's, that's only, like, a minute of a traffic it's jam. It's not that big of a tunnel, though, if, as from what I've read. Oh. Like it's, it's just like the, the Holland Tunnel. Center. Like, he's, like, in a way, he's kind of like, uh, like this amazing invention. I've invented the Holland Tunnel. You know, it's like <laughs> tunnels have existed before. I think that's one of them. Uh, but I think in other ones, you're going to attach yourself to a thing, and then it's going to rocket you way faster than your car can go. Right. So it's going to rocket you from San Francisco to L.A. Allegedly. Right. That's what I heard. Did I just want to be in the... <laughs> That's the plan, but like, but I think so. Like, yeah, but that was just driving. This one that we just showed, I believe, is this. It's less than a mile long. It's just the convention center. Oh, the plan is to get this, which is the whole strip. It's taking that little part and then adding the entire strip, and you have a little Whoa. spot to peel off at every casino. But they haven't, you know, that's that's a way bigger construction pr program. That's kind of fascinating. Like, if there was a bunch of tunnels and you could just get out at the Bellagio, bloop, and pop out. Or you could just take the road that exists. There. <laughs> it's like it's like a a road, but it's like underneath. Yeah, yeah. That's called a tunnel. Well, one of the things they do out here in Texas is uh, people have 
small helicopters. Yeah. And they fly around. Like my friend Tim, Tim Kennedy, he yeah. has a helicopter and he flies around places in his fucking helicopter. So he's on no his rules place here. and he, he, he just, just flies. He gets in a helicopter, he flies, he lands somewhere and then he'll Uber to where he needs to go. And then he flies back home. So he where he lives is like 40 minutes by car, but five minutes by helicopter. Oh, wow. Get in a helicopter. When you land. I mean, that's what they, when they envisioned the helicopter initially, they thought that a helicopter was going to be a flying car. That's what they essentially thought it was going to be for everybody. Wow. Like the Jetsons. Yeah, literally. And Bill Burr. And Bill Burr. <laughs> Have you been <laughs> up with Bill before? No, I haven't. Bill's taken me up a couple times. It's fucking awesome. It's amazing. It's really wild. Like he, you can fly around downtown L.A. You can go anywhere you want. Like we were just flying around downtown L.A. Like that around buildings like, and shit. Really? So yeah. you can get close to buildings? Oh my god, real close. Like wow. as close to buildings as like the parking lot is to this studio. Like you like you could throw a rock from the helicopter if you open the window and hit a building. Wow. Not only that, like the buildings, a lot of them have like helicopter landing pads on the roof. They have this big X. I told you last week, I saw that this video got sent to me on Insta or on YouTube. It's got 2 million views. A guy took a paramotor, it's called, up to 17,000 feet, but he just takes off from the middle of this like housing area. He straps this fucking fan onto his back and just starts going. He looks like what I would imagine the neighbor's crazy Look, kid. that's what he starts doing. And then he just goes? He goes to 17,000 feet. He's just floating up there with his oh, iPhone. Oh, Jesus Christ. What if he dropped it on someone's head? Well, imagine, if you died. Rope, yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine if you died because this fucking dork drops his iPhone on your head. At one point, he's just like, I think if you pass out, you might just, just you float down for a while. I don't know. Because he seems right. pretty new in it. He's probably got no air. He's never, Yeah, he hadn't gone up this high. Oh, fuck, He buddy. doesn't have an air tank. It just seemed, it's, but I think so you can just so do what, this. So at, what, and go. at what point does oxygen become a problem? Right there? Yeah, at that I, point? Yeah. First he, of all, how cold is it? He got very cold. I, did, I was very curious about all these things you guys were asking, oh, so I just sort of watched the he's whole not thing. A, what if he gets hit by a plane? One part, he wanted to go through a cloud. He's like, it's going to be awesome to go through it. I think he thought that was a bad idea. Yeah, you're going to hit well, by lightning. But they said it was all like the view. He's talking about how awesome it all is, and he's just floating up there. Did he tell everybody the earth is flat? <laughs> I, I, I did look. You can't really tell, honestly. You, you, it doesn't, you can't see anything. It's flat, bro. But another so, video like, of his, he goes flying over sharks and stuff down in Florida. But look how amazing that is. Yeah. So this kid's just crazy. But you so how did this. he get down? You just float oh, down. Oh, look, he's got mittens and shit. Yeah, you float you just, down eventually. Yeah, you just start going. You turn off the power and you just, you coast. Oh, wow. So look at this. Got, he got home to where yeah. he was. Right back to where his car, right back where he started. That's amazing. He's you gone can for pinpoint two hours. it. He's like, I had to piss. You know, I had to pee real bad. But uh, so it's a podcast. He did a podcast in space. But the f I think you can just buy these and go. I don't know. He, I'm sure he, he trained himself so he doesn't die, but I don't think I mean, think this you is just to. my takeaway. I'm like, who's mowing all that area? That seems like <laughs> <laughs> That's a big job. Oh, my God. If I was a landscaper, I'm like, I want that contract. Oh, that's it's a good some, contract, though. That would be a good contract. Ah, you got good money in that one. Yeah, good lawn stuff. Fuck. Do you remember the guy who faked uh, his kid floating away in a balloon mm -hmm. in, in oh, Colorado? Yeah. Didn't he go what? to jail? I think so. What yeah. do you mean he faked his kid? Blood? Yeah, he like he he had a hoax where he said his children, like a, one of his children, grabbed a hold of a balloon and floated away. Like the cops were looking for the kid. Like they were worried. And why did he? He just pretended. It was like he just did it as a prank, I think, or just a, as a way to get attention. Yeah, there's the sun. Yeah, it was like live news all over the country. Yeah, boy trapped in runaway balloon. 
It was a 2009 hoax. I know this because that was the same year that I moved to Colorado and Joey Diaz started calling me balloons. <laughs> Why? But but here's what I understand. It's like, what would his motivation be? He's like, gotcha. Just like, an idiot. Just an idiot who wanted attention. This was during the reality TV days, right? So this was like John and Kate plus eight. What a great idea. Have 18 kids. You know, have uh, the Octomom. Remember that? Yeah, like yeah. People were doing anything they could to get attention. And I think this knucklehead just decided he was going to pretend that his kid floated away in a and balloon. And so he went to jail? I believe he was sentenced. All right. So there, uh, uh, 2019, a time. local Denver news reporter did an in-depth story on like the truth finally comes out i guess oh, he was yeah? trying to start a tv show called uh, some viral uh story or something like that oh i see so and did he wind farther. up getting sentenced um jail or prison is anything i saw pop up yet but maybe yeah did. i'm pretty sure he had to do a little stint they spent 62,000 looking for the balloon 90 days oh, in prison oh boy 90 days there you go he served 20 days hmm so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. But not shocking. I mean, how many people will do almost anything for some kind of fame and attention? Did you hear about the girl who was selling her farts? She had a heart attack? And now she's selling them as NFTs is the next turn of that story. She probably didn't have a heart attack. She probably was saying she had a heart attack so everybody would pay attention to yeah. her more. Pretty smart. She's some reality star, yeah. and she was selling f her jars of farts. So yeah. she would fart into as, a jar and sell them. If like, how do you get to that point of an idea? You know, hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, she's hot. Right? She is hot. She's hot. So guys look at her and they'll go, I want something from her, anything. She's like, I'll sell my farts. And you're like, I'll buy them. I'll buy them. How and much like, sells her farts much are the farts? Suffers health care. I think they're like 50 bucks. Yeah, so she probably sold thousands of them. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just 50 but here's the thing. $50 Do you really think she's a, farting in those jars? She's just selling jars. I would say it's a fraud. I mean, look, I don't think she really had a heart scare either. Do you do you know how much Burt Kreischer eats? And yeah. how much he farts? And this lady? Was she? I read the thing. She said she was drinking to, to make him more pungent. <laughs> she was drinking three protein shakes a day and eating a bunch of bean soup, oh, like black bean soup. She's just being silly. She's funny. She's making it's fun. Yeah, and we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, smart. Ninety yeah. Day Fiance. So she was on that show, Ninety Thanks. Day Fiance. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man. Parlated. Some people just they get a little bit of attention. They they go, okay, we got to keep this ball rolling. I uh, I on a plane. I sat next to somebody who was a, a bachelorette or a bachelor. Uh, she was a bachelorette. I don't know if that's the one gender of those shows. Term. Yeah. And um, she had a little business going on. Yeah. Well, it's smart. I mean, if you can get on one of those shows and, you know, anytime you can get on one of those shows where you're on ABC or NBC or whatever it is and, you know, you get a little bit of heat, you can blow on those embers and throw some kindling on it and you can make a fire. I mean, there's people that have real careers that they've made from those goofy shows. Like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I mean, haven't there been like a bunch of big businesses that have been launched from those shows? If you're clever and you're, you know, you're opportunistic, you make the most out of that moment. It is interesting how there's – we applaud certain ambitions, but we judge others, yes. right? So she's farting in a can. <laughs> <laughs> and we're kind of like, that's humiliating. Look at her. She's but hot, like, Look at her. She's fucking – she's pretty smoking. But there's the jar. But I don't understand the NFT of it. 
to jar fart NFT. What is it? Growing plants? It's what is it a, supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, this is 100% like it's turned into a joke of it now. But, right. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Fart jars with Stephanie Matto. I wonder how much it costs. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, there's different. Look. Oh, the different. Oh, she's, she wants Ethereum. 0. 0.05 ETH. Oh, boy. So what does. Uh, Let's make some money. Yeah. If it sells out. I mean, look, she's she's being smart, right? She said yeah, she had so, a heart attack. You know that's not but true, why, but we're talking so, like, about it. People are like, that's okay, but like like Matt Damon does a commercial for crypto and people freak out. Well, the difference is Matt Damon is Jason Bourne and he's a super successful actor. Okay. He, he is very wealthy. He doesn't need the money and a lot of people associate crypto with a scam. Okay. But she's just a hustler. But she's uh, a young girl trying to make it. Is crypto a scam? I I don't think it's a scam. Okay. I think so then it's what's an alternative wrong with form that? of money, but it's viewed it's it's an education issue, I think. So so if but I don't know. I just you know, look, as the uh, number one Matt Damon defender on <laughs> I just I remember seeing that and I'm like, so I mean people do you know is NFT a scam? Is is uh, promoting a gambling thing? Is promoting alcohol? Is that a scam? No, no, I don't. I don't think any of them are scams. And here's the way I look at things: What upsets me? Does it upset me? Yeah. No, doesn't upset me. Yeah. So who's it upsetting, and why is it upsetting them? Well, because they have nothing better to do. They're wondering whether or not Matt Damon should be doing a commercial for cryptocurrency. Like, what do you give a fuck? Like, what? Why is that even? on your radar for a second well by the way it's i i mean it's weird i just think it's strange it, it's look commercials the the equation of do people need the money they don't do you know what i mean it's like but is that um it's like does Kevin James, I mean, does uh, Kevin Hart need another job? No, but like, you know what? That's that's what he does, though. That's he hustles. He, he, he's a hustler, yeah. right? So Constantly. it's like, w w we don't criticize him. What's wrong with Matt Damon? You know, I don't know. Well, Kevin Hart, I don't think, is selling crypto, though, is he? Um, he's, uh, he's selling credit cards. Which right, but everybody has a credit card. That's like a normal thing. But uh, like if every, Matt Damon was selling a credit card, I don't think it would like remember when Jennifer Gardner was doing credit card commercials? Nobody remember, cared. Remember, she's still doing it. Okay. Nobody cares. But she doesn't need money. I'm sure she needs money. Why does she need money? Because she probably doesn't work as much anymore and her and Ben Affleck are divorced and why she's doesn't she pay borrow for money from Matt Damon if he has so much <laughs> money? <laughs> it's like but the thing is but my point is then she'd is, have to pay it back. No one needs uh, none of these people need more money. What, what does you that know what I mean? mean though? Matt Damon's crypto commercial gets ridiculed for comparing crypto investments with space travel. Oh, oh that's why. It's okay. a cringe word. Well, let's play the commercial because uh, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? I yeah. think I've seen it. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Hmm? Is it cringy? I, mean, I don't know. No, not necessarily. But I mean, I guess, if you want to say that, that By the investing way. in Bitcoin is the same as scaling Mount Everest, that's a little much. But is that what he said? I don't know if it's cringy. Well, no, but but I've seen the commercial. It's well, like, well, it's let's, three, let's it's watch it with almosts, with those who almost adventured, who almost achieved, but ultimately, for them it proved to be too much. Then there are others, the ones who embrace the moment, 
and commit. And in these moments of truth, these men and women, these mere mortals, just like you and me, as they peer over the edge, they calm their minds and steal their nerves with four simple words that have been whispered by the intrepid since the time of the Romans. Fortune favors the brave. Crypto.com. Hmm. That's silly. Now, by the way, I'm a giant Matt Damon fan. So yeah. that said, I don't, I don't get upset because I really like him. I like watching him. He's a great, yeah. great actor. But that's a little cringy. What's so? I, I don't know. It's I dumb. think it's dumb. Look, if I was the, doing that commercial, I'd go, guys, 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 isn't there another way to sell this? We don't have to compare ourselves to fucking Christopher Columbus and Neil Armstrong here. This is nonsense. And that couple that was about to kiss. Or the guy but climbing I think Mount Everest. The, um, but isn't the point that they're making is that, look, you got to get in on the bottom yes. floor. Yes. Fortune right? favors the brave. Yes, for sure. Um, but. Is that really the way to do it? Compare yourself to the fucking people that left Earth's atmosphere, rocket into fucking space? No, well, also, it's not the same, some, bro. There were also like <laughs> you're buying dogey coins. They were also comparing themselves to colonizers too. <laughs> Did you see that too. boat? It's like you can conquer foreign lands. Yeah, you could bring slaves to the beach but of a new place. Isn't that what all advertising is, though? Um. In some way, right? It's like manipulated exaggerations and, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting how culturally certain things are considered acceptable. Yes. Yeah, it is interesting. And it changes dependent upon the culture. By the way, it's like the, you know, a lot of reality shows seem to be taking advantage of people, right? Taking advantage of people that are, maybe they want it, but like some of them have, you know, maybe they're struggling with some issues. Mental health issues. And why is that okay? Well, you're talking to the guy who hosted Fear Factor for six years, so maybe you need to talk to someone else. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Because you want to talk no, about but, being a hypocrite. No, but. If I was like, yeah, they shouldn't do that. No, like, but look, <laughs> I'm a hypocrite too. I'm not, I'm not even calling you a hypocrite. I'm talking about like. I'm asking a sincere question. Why are certain things, why are people piling up on him Right. when... I mean, they're barely piling up. They're, they're barely piling it. up, right? It's, like, yeah, it's not going to affect them. If Jason Bourne 3 comes out next week, no one's going to give a fuck. And by the way, it's like the uh, Lakers, uh, uh, the new home of the Lakers is the crypto.com. Anyway, yeah. I, I'm a yeah. primary. What if I, it was revealed? I'm a primary <laughs> shareholder. <laughs> no, I think it's. Crypto. Uh, I'm curious to see where all this cryptocurrency stuff ends because uh, I had Andreas Antonopoulos on my podcast years ago when Bitcoin yeah. was just like some thing that people talked about on the really? internet. And I had no, I was like, well, let's get a guy on and understand. And they, so they call him Bitcoin Jesus. And he came on and explained it to me. And long ago, Andreas was paying all of his rent, all of his bills. He was doing, everything he did was through Bitcoin. So everything. If, if he would have hold, held on to that, he'd be I think he does. Wealthy. I think he has held on to it. I so mean, that NFT super that's now. right in your room there, how much is that worth? Well, right that now. is that's a digital piece of artwork from uh, Beeple, 
And so that is not really an NFT, right? It's just digital art. Okay. There's an NFT associated with it to, right. be, to like explain it. Yeah, as you're asking, but so uh, like, there's a QR code. If you see it, sometimes is it because it changes screen? What Beeple's done is it like see that QR yeah. code? I guess if you go there, it explains it to me. I don't know. I'm never gonna look at it, but I love looking at the art. And what Beeple has done is what's really fascinating is he's actually putting together an uh, an actual museum filled with things like this and larger ones too of digital artwork. And the digital artwork changes, it's, it moves around, it goes black and white, it, it zooms in and out like, like you see here. So it's cool to look at and it's a completely new kind of art. Like, cause it's not just digital art in terms of like he made an image or he made a video, but he's actually putting it in this form in this really cool frame, and he's yeah. it it moves around while it, it captures your 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 mind and your eyes while you're watching it. The colors change on it. It's just dope. It's so funny because it's like. If you cut to 30 years ago, it's called a flat screen TV. Do you know what I mean? It's just the technology is like. Yeah. And that's where I look at NFTs and crypto and I'm like. <sighs> I do too. I'm did like, a, uh, maybe. Did, one did day. the window close already? <laughs> I don't did, think so. Did it close? I mean. It's definitely not closed, but, you know, we're not in on the ground floor. And it's, it's, it's you know it's similar to the stock market right it's like right. I, you you know we were talking about tesla it's like i remember when tesla was whatever x amount and i'm like yeah it's too expensive now it's like uh, if i would have bought any it would have yeah. been i would have covered my kids college well you know people have those stories about apple like getting out of apple early on <laughs> and if they held it today they'd have 500 million dollars yeah just hurts your head just thinking about how about people that have had bitcoin in hard drives and then they threw the computer out there's a guy who's been digging through a landfill for eight years because in that landfill is a half a billion dollars worth of bitcoin wow yeah, yeah. ouch yes dude's digging into a fucking landfill he's got like a crew working for eight years to try to find a hard drive and who knows what kind of deteriorated state the hard drive is going to be in if he actually does find it. Wow. And then the guy who told him it, he goes, oh, did I say that landfill? I meant, <laughs> <laughs> I meant that landfill. And he's got a bunch of union guys going, just keep working slow. Just keep this fucking what job going. What is the going. longest uh, episode you've done? Kevin Smith, probably. That was like five hours. Something like that. We're at three hours, though. So we would wrap this up. Why people still enjoy it? Duncan Trussell. That's what I thought it was. How many did he do? Five hours. Nineteen five hours. minutes. Five hours. We're gonna do five hours. Five hours and nineteen minutes. minutes. Let's wrap this up. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> Joe's like, I gotta go home. Your uh, new Netflix special is available. Oh, this is what I want to ask you. You yeah. you've done something interesting. Before we wrap this up, you uh, you have experimented when Netflix yeah. was like at the the leader of the pack where everybody wanted to do a Netflix special you like maybe I'll test the waters other places and yeah. you put them up on Amazon and you, what was yeah. that experience like it was good I mean I think that there is uh, it's shifting going along with you know when stand-up you know when we started it was uh, you know YouTube didn't exist uh, the the internet wasn't really a thing, and so 
when I went to Amazon and I also did one on demand, uh, it was good. But like there is also an audience. It's like finding an audience for this thing. I mean, I care about my special being seen and uh, I think Netflix is great. I already have five other specials there. So it was also, you know, it's, you know, it's, you're, you know, these specials, you're like harvesting crops. So it's, there's different markets. And so uh, Netflix is this huge monolith. They they have such an appreciation for comedy, which uh, I think is a reflection of Ted. So they get it. But, you know, there is part of me, it's like in three years, who knows? We might be sitting here and um, there might be some other outlet. But, yeah, it was a great experience. But I also like the fact that I'm coming to Netflix. It's been a couple years, so I'm kind of new. You know, mm. like new is pretty important in the entertainment industry. We all looked at you doing that like you were jumping onto a new ice shelf. Like, look at him go. Yeah. Look at him out there. I mean, Amazon, there were a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people that saw it. It was a big risk. I mean, I, again, and you know, my Amazon kids are Amazon Prime be fine. is still enormous. Yeah, it's enormous. It's huge in Think about like England, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. There's been hit huge shows Huge in on Germany, there. huge in India. Mm. And, um... But, you know, I think stand-up for the English-speaking world, I think, you know, there's not much that can compete with Netflix. No, it's the king. Yeah. Yeah, that's the top of the food chain. All right, Jim Gaffigan, you're the shit. I appreciate you you very much. Always fun to hang out with you. Thank you so much. We should do this more often. Appreciate it. Uh, That's it. Bye, everybody.